Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. So we should definitely ah, pause, take a breath, and, and realize that we always have options, um, that we are never stuck. Um, and we are so excited today to have um, in the studio some really wonderful dancers, choreographers, and filmmakers um, that are participating and a part of the 10th Annual San Francisco Dance Film Festival, which starts tomorrow, Saturday, November 2nd, 6 p.m. There's going to be a wonderful opening night. And then it continues through the weekend, and then it picks up the following weekend. So you can like just sort of like park yourself in San Francisco at Brava and uh, go to work, and then the next week, you know, pick up where you left off with some other films. And so we are so excited to have um, Althea Thompson uh, in our studio now to talk about her directorial debut, uh, My Pinsy. Um, and uh, so anyway, first we're going to say welcome, and then we're going to read your bio, and then you're going to tell us about this beautiful film. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Thank you're you for welcome. having me, Wanda. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, your name, Athea, means beautiful one. Uh, So Athea, beautiful one, Thompson, received your acclaim 20 years ago in West African dance. You have performed nationally and internationally in genres including jazz, hip-hop, lindy hop, freestyle, and modern dance. Um, You founded Bahia Movement in 2011 with your daughter, Nafi Thompson, uh, who was a, was a student of mine. <laughs> Bahia Movement oh. has participated. Oh, you didn't know that? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how I, that's how I learned. Met, well, Jonathan, did I know you before then? I think I, I think I knew you uh, as a part of the um, uh, the Black Choreographers Festival here and now. Yeah, as as a, as a mm-hmm. choreographer, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. I didn't put it together until Nafi told me. <laughs> Yeah, she was in my English class at College of Alameda. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Back. I'm going to have yeah, to tell her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's why when I saw your name, it was like, oh, I got to have her on my show because that's Nafi's mom. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So I hear a movement uh, company that, you know, I've been paying particular attention to since I, you know, learned about the the mom-daughter connection. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> has yeah, has participated in San Francisco Juneteenth, Black Choreographers, uh, and um, Bongi Square. The company has graced such stages as the Palace of Fine Arts, San Francisco International Arts Festival, Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, and Oakland's Art and Soul Festivals. Recently, your film, Mapenzi, A Dancer's Love Affair with Dance, Body, and the Arts, was accepted in the San Francisco Dance Film Festival 2019 and is having its um, debut. When is your film going to be screening? On the 9th. Um, I think it's uh, called Raising Voices. So it's going to be mm-hmm. filmed with or showed with um, several other films. So it's the mm-hmm. November 9th at 6 p.m. at Brava Theater. Right, yeah. And, um, and Laura Elaine Ellis is going to be moderating a discussion uh, at Raising Voices on um, November 9th, and she's going to be on the air uh, joining us this morning. Um, next, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. all are kind of like, you all can say hey to one another as, as you <laughs> leave the studio and she comes on in. And you continue to teach dance classes in Oakland, the Oakland community, to professional dancers and dance enthusiasts of all ages. And your website um, com. people can visit. So B-A-H-I-Y-A uh, movement.com. So um, tell us about this film and tell us about your company. And, yeah, you know, um, people who um, want to see the film, it hasn't been released. Like this is really a, a world premiere. It <laughs> is. Week. It is. Yeah. It is. And I'm yeah. excited. Um <laughs> we we actually created this film about six years ago, and um, oh. I sat on it. Yeah, I sat on it. Ooh. And the reason why I sat on it, because I didn't know what to do with it, um, even though mm. my film, um, the photographer, the film videographer, you know, she encouraged mm. me to put it in, submit it into documentaries, and I just still didn't know how it was going to be received because it is talking mm. about my daughter and I are plus-size dancers, so um, we created by here movement because we've always got, um, you know, you're a beautiful dancer, you're a skilled, professional, trained dancer, but your size is just, you know, if you can just lose a little weight, if you can drop a shed mm-hmm. a, a couple of pounds, then we can possibly, you know, definitely utilize your skills and your body. Um, and so my daughter and I just continue, especially for me growing up in the 80s, um, it was really hard for me to go after my dream as a dancer because I was always told that you're just not going to make it because your size, your body size is just not going to, it's not what they, what the mainstream um, uh, dance industry want, wants. And so um, it really discouraged me to follow my dream as a professional dancer and in, in like in going to auditions and trying out on a higher level. Um, mm-hmm. So I just didn't want that to be something that is going to hinder my daughter because, you know, we we are plus-size dancers. And so um, I just decided to create something. I created our own dance company that will accept all bodies, all genders, all, everybody. You know, I, I don't want anybody to ever feel that, what I felt before and what she started mm-hmm. to get. So um, we created by here movement, and we also wanted to do a documentary around our story and mm-hmm. other stories that are out there, and to shed light on there's a lot of plus size dancers out there, and people just don't know because they're not being seen. And so why not express that? And so it just took me a while to kind of feel like it was going to be accepted, 
and um, I, I, my first time ever submitting, I was accepted. So I, it was, um, it was beautiful to get accepted. I was ecstatic. I was like, oh my god, mm. yeah. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, tell us, uh, you know, give us a little bit about the film. Um, you have, you have wonderful. Um, uh, scenes of, of people dancing and looking like they're having a wonderful time, um, you know, in, in processions, you know, on stages, you know, some really, really wonderful cinematography. Is that you? Did you do that? Did you shoot that? So I, I collaborated with uh, Chani Bonwico. Um, she's an mm-hmm. amazing, amazing uh, videographer here in the Bay, from the Bay. And so um, she's I worked for her for several years with um, photography and videography, and she will just follow my company for about two or three years and um, mm. just document document us. And so because, you know, again, it's around showing our body and showing our size and being able to be okay in our own skin and, 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 and following your art. You know, this is a gift that was given to you. So why suppress it? Because what media you know, or what someone else is saying that's not acceptable, you know, so follow your heart, follow your art, follow your dreams. It doesn't matter, you know, if if, if that is a gift that you've, give, you've been given, then you have to make sure that you utilize that gift. And we, in the, in the film, we show, uh, we, we definitely um, put, like big moves in in the forefront. That is a, a dance company that's been around for years, and they are a plus size dance company. Um, NK um, is um, with the African Association, and she's a plus size dancer, and she does a lot of really good work around um, just the African uh, being able to bring the African culture to the mainstream, um, and also collaborating with a lot of great people. Um, we worked with uh, Tyreshi Wigginton, and um, mm-hmm. again another beautiful poet and dancer that is um, is plus size. So we we just wanted to show, and then I I also gathered um, and presented a plus size uh, contingency for the San Francisco uh, Carnival. So mm-hmm. we were we were um in the Carnival two thousand and seventeen, sixteen or seventeen I believe. Um so mm-hmm. I had a, a, a plus size contingency well all all levels, but I, I definitely wanted to, you know, really focus on those that are plus size to be um a part of the carnival so they can feel that they don't have to be a three, they don't have to be in bikinis, and, you know, you didn't you don't have to do all of that. You can still be you know who you are, and still be a part of these types of festivals. So yeah, mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah. So, so what is it about about dance, um, particularly you know African derived dance, that um, you know is is your your artistic tool of expression? And I was just thinking about a film that I watched, another film that's a part of the festival, um, <clears throat> that talks about body memory and about how. Mm-hmm. The the um there was a he was uh the person there's there's like two two artists well actually maybe more than two but a person he's walking well he starts I'm trying to think there's two of them anyway um one of them is is sort of lamenting that he doesn't know how to talk to his ancestors because he doesn't speak the language of his ancestors mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. and then the poem is like well. 
our ancestors were really innovative and creative and and so you know you might think you know language verbal language is the only language but there you know your body is a you know is, is, a language. is, yes. is, is an instrument of of speech yes. you know and and yes. communication and language mm-hmm. and so anyway mm-hmm. i just wanted you to talk about that because i thought oh this is yeah that I mean we know that know that but then we don't know that we don't think about mm-hmm. it as much mm-hmm. yeah and so um i grew up trained under traditional west african dancing and so in in uh in well, you're in an ethnic dance company. You you are you only you not only learn the dance moves, but you learn the history. You learn the culture, and so they every and 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 in most ethnic dances, it's every dance is done for a reason, for a purpose, or for something. And 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 your ancestors are always there. So you always bring in your ancestors. You always give thanks to your ancestors. And so we communicate with our drum, and we also communicate with our body when we start to dance to our ancestors and that's how we talk with each other. And so I think that is very important that, you know, a lot of um what I have learned in 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 my growing up and, and studying traditional West African dance is to always pay tribute to those have come, that have paved the way before you and they're still here and they're still helping you. So being able to just give thanks by honoring them through their dance and the art that they've given us and how we can communicate. Drum is a communication. We drum, uh, we, when, we, when we play the drums, we tell a story, and that's how we had, that was our texting back in the day. That was our email. That was, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we communicated from, you know, tribe to tribe to tribe just with that drum, and that drum also resonates in your body. And once you go and you come together and commune, as 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 a as a culture, then you you are always connecting back to your ancestors and your roots, and so I think that I I have to be true and honest to what, you know, me being an African American female or African American person of of color, I, I I because it was stripped from us. I don't know. I was blessed to get something. You know, I might not be from Senegal. I don't know for sure, but at least I know how it feels to be of some culture and, and to get that understanding in my body and my, in my, in my DNA and my, in my fingertips and my, in my ears and my feet to be able to let my soul through my soles of my feet dance. And I think that that's important, you know, to just be true and pay homage and, and, and tribute to, to my ancestors through my body. <clears throat> right, right, yeah, and and you know, this, you know that we're we're talking about our ancestors, you know, today, and I believe today or tomorrow or both days are, you know, All Saints Day, you know, the day that you know this sort of weekend is around, you know, uh, Indigenous people sort of remember mm-hmm. remember their ancestors, and we remember our ancestors, um, you know, not just on a particular day, but every day because. We are we are an expression of them, you know that we yes. live and walk, and that you know we dance, um, you know we sort of bring them to life. We keep them alive, yes. so to speak. And and then you think about you know the 400 years of return and the 400 years of African American um, history that's being honored, you know this year. Um, 
because of the 1619-2019, you know, um, <clears throat> entrance into this hemisphere um, and um, at Point Comfort, now Fort Monroe, Virginia, of, of Africans that were traded for provisions um, <laughs> um, that, you know, we didn't get the apology yet and we haven't gotten our reparations, but we have had a National Day of Healing and, and they've been quite you know there've been conversations happening all around the country about mm-hmm. you know african people and our heritage and yeah. it's really unfortunate mm-hmm. i don't know how 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 integrated this is into curriculum in the public schools like are all kids hearing about african american contributions i mean cuz africans have like really stamped this nation you know yes. in in and a way that other nations have yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Totally. and that's true. Mm-hmm. And I and and I'm glad you brought that up because I was telling my daughter, you know, no, um, they. I think, and I don't know if it was done with design, but we used mm-hmm. to hear about you know civil rights and 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 watch the civil rights, um, you know, uh, footage and documentaries. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. in elementary watching that. I remember hearing about and reading about. Malcolm X and and Martin Luther King and I don't know if they do that anymore, you know, not the way they used to back in the eighties and 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 so I was I was really thankful that I did get that information and knowing who I who I am and and what mm-hmm. we contributed to America and and its culture and this and this you know the nation that we are we're living under. Because we did, you know, African Americans, you know, we created a lot and we contributed a lot, and especially dance, especially in mm-hmm. dance, you know, yeah. especially yeah. in dance, and and that's something that we do have to again, you know, I mean, Catherine Dunham, look at what Catherine Dunham has done, and we, I mean, that's a legacy that she's left behind for us, and people mm-hmm. are, you know, not just Africans, but all cultural, all colored people are getting certified in the Dunham technique, you know, and mm-hmm. they can teach it. So it's it's just, it's amazing. And I think that that's, you know, Alvin Ailey, let's look at Alvin Ailey, you know, and now mm-hmm. Alvin Ailey is also opening up their, their platform for all colors, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not, and it, and it was really, it was, it, it was really amazing to me when I first saw a, an Alvin Ailey show and I, and I saw a sprinkle of other colors on there. Um, and, 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 and it kind of made me feel a little something, but, you know, I had to say, I understand, you know, I, we, we have to open it up to, to, you know, to others. So, um, I, but, but just looking at what we've given this country and especially in dance, I think it's amazing, you know, and tap and Lindy hop and, and ballet and, 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 and hip hop, hip hop alone, mm-hmm. hip hop alone. You know, if you want to really talk about something, just let's just think about just hip hop alone. You know, the break dancing has gone crazy. You know, and that was just a street dance. That was just a street dance that has now gone. Just it has busted open so much for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. huh? yeah. Yeah, I want to mention in your program um, the. Uh, uh, raising voices. Some of the films that are are part of that program look mm-hmm. at, um, you know, uh, break dancing, you know, hip hop dance, mm-hmm. and the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, mm-hmm. you know, um, the uh, the films that um, what is it called? Um, 
uh, I'm trying to look for the name. We were just it. talking about um, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the um, um, the dance film, um, Our City's Dancing, Richmond. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And also Our City's Dancing, Oakland. Really, really beautiful. Um, really beautiful dancing. Um, I mean, really, really lovely. Um, and and I was just thinking, coming back to your film, um, Mapenzi, um, uh, a dancer's love affair with dance, body, and the arts. Um, just thinking about the whole idea of body positive. But also before that, I want to drop the name of Ruth Beckford because Ruth Beckford is is you know Oaktown, and and yep. and she is you know representative of you know of a black African woman of presence in these, these spaces where there were no black girls and there were mm-hmm. no black youth and there were no black mm-hmm. women. I think, you know, when she came through Mills, right, um, yeah. she might have been the first woman, black woman there. And just look yeah. at the legacy that she has left with putting dance in the uh, the Oakland Park and Rec. Before that, there was, yeah. there was no dance in any Park and Rec center in any place, you know, in the nation. And now, you know, because of the example that she did, making dance accessible to little black girls and little black boys, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it was free, you know, park and rec, you didn't have to pay. You just, you, after school, yeah. you just went there. You and I know there. Deborah Vaughn, yeah. that's how she, that's how she, you know, came with the dance under Miss Beckford. Um, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I shade to her memory because she just made her transition this year. Oh, yeah, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Mills College is going to be doing a whole big program honoring her because this is their 80th anniversary of their dance department. And you look at the pictures, and there are no black women. Like, those early yeah. pictures, <laughs> none. I know, I you know, know. And, I, and I, wish, yeah. I wish they had an early one with Miss Beckford in there. Yeah, as a young, fly, <laughs> African-American girl, yes. woman. Dancing, Doing her you know, thing, like, yes. Totally, yes. totally. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned um, Kathleen, um, uh, Catherine Dunham, and I believe uh, Miss Beckford, um, didn't she, I mean, she, she trained with her and she knew her really well, but did she also write a book about her? Because I know Miss Beckford wrote a lot of books. I'm not sure about that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. it's possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's. But I mean, just being able to to see what we contribute, and 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 I think that that's amazing. You know, if we really if we really want to just look at even in the small communities, who's who's paving ways for everybody just in these small communities, so the next Alvin Ailey can come through the door. You know, so we we're mm-hmm. we're 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 but we're. I think that we're breaking down these walls, these barriers, um, especially with films like mine and and the you know um, the Oakland and the Richmond films that are really talking about the 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 inner cities, um, talking about putting light on different things around plus plus size, gender, you know, just being able to say, look, we are here, you know, we have we have a voice, we have we have a skill, we have a passion. And and don't quiet us because it's 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 something that's 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 natural and and it's and it's and it's a gift. Again, I have to land back on that. This is a gift that I've I've been given, and and mm-hmm. I have something to say through this this movement. You know, right. and so mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. I was just and thinking I think also. Is, uh, mm-hmm. Oh no, go ahead. 
No, good. No, I was just saying that I think that is important, and I think my 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 main thing with with the film is to be able to mm-hmm. show youth to don't be afraid. I think that we sometimes get discouraged. We don't have enough positive mentors, positive people supporting us and cheering us on. And I think that the youth nowadays we need that. You know, I know I know I I was saved from these. Oakland streets because of dance. I I have mm-hmm. to give it to dance because if I did mm-hmm. not dance, I would I would not be the person that I am. I I would have gotten caught up in 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 the Oakland streets, you know. And so it, I I see some of my friends now that they, you know, they they are still doing the same thing that we, they did 40 years ago, you know, 35 mm-hmm. years ago. And I and I just I'm so thankful for my parents really putting that and instilling that in me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the the arts, the the sports, all of that, you know, we need that as mm-hmm. youth. We need it. Because it guides it guides us, it's built character and it and it understands that, you know, it, it builds also discipline. Discipline. Mm-hmm. And so right. I think that that yeah, and I think that and it also continues to let us know that we can go after our dreams and we can reach them. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about about your family and about some of your you know your teachers, your 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 dance teachers and mentors that sort of let you know that all right, well you might not be able to get in that company, but hey, you know you could start your own company. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And but then I also wanted to make a comment that you know we talk about you know sort of uh, plus size and. And I looked, and I'm, and when you said that, I'm like, I'm looking at, you know, the folks in in the film, and like, okay, some I can see, okay, yeah, totally, but other people's like, what? Because, <laughs> uh, um, and and then that, in that term, thick, I don't know where that came from. That's like, really, like describing a person's, you know, body as thick, like, okay, but I just think about how, as African women, you know, the way, you know, what we call plus. Or what you know you call plus um, is is beautiful. I mean, they have some communities where if a girl is too thin, you know she can't get a suitor. Um, yes, you know you got to have yes. some meat on your bones. I mean, and, and hip <laughs> stuff. I mean, you know that's what we do. Like as African women, you know we got mm-hmm. we got butt, right? We got back, mm-hmm. and you know it's just the way we built. And mm-hmm. yes. and you know think and you just think about you know our. Our strength, you know, within our body, you know, yes. as women, you know, having all that strength in our lower body, um, yeah, it's not, it's not fat. It's, it's African. It's the way we build yes. because you know we have a different, you know, structure. Because you know, like when we go into the doctors, they always say, uh, what is that, the BMI thing? You know, every, uh, yeah, every, yeah, yeah, I mean, BMI, like, yeah. like my grandchildren when they go in, it's like they're always overweight, and I'm like, like really. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you I mean you can't go in there and be healthy if you go on according standard. to European <laughs> standards. Mm-hmm. On that standard, on that standard. And so right. it is really and because we have to think about the geographical area that we came from. If we were mm-hmm. never having to trans um uh you know, be trans trans what is the word is that brought over here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If we weren't ever brought over here, we would still be there in Africa. And the reasons why we are built the way we are, I mean, this is a beautiful design because mm-hmm. we had to be able to carry water 
from the river back to our, our, our villages. We had to carry our food. We had to carry our clothing. You know, how did we didn't have a washer and dryer. We, our river was our washer. So we had to carry, and then, and I've been to Africa, having to try to wash them jeans by hand. <laughs> Come on. Mm-hmm. Now that's yeah. heavy. You know, so it, it, you have to be able to, like you said, have that structure to be able with, to withstand those type of conditions. And I don't think that mm-hmm. we, we, that is, that is, you know, considered. It's not taken into consideration when those charts and those BMIs and everything is created. You know, mm-hmm. they should have a BMI chart for African Americans, for Asians. They should have, so what, you know, what's your ethnicity? Let me pull that chart up. You know, I mean, right. it should not be something that's standard. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, I think that. But um, I mean, to to go to my my teachers, um, you know, I started. Uh, well, my my mother and uh, Rahema Star, um, oh, and I believe, okay. yeah, Rahema. So she, my mother and Rahema danced for um, Haitian uh, with Blanche mm-hmm. for years. Oh wow! And yeah, so, Blanche has mm-hmm. classes tonight, folks, at at ODC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so uh um they danced with her for years, many years at Lady oh, College. Wow. And then really? um yes. Wow, so third mm-hmm. generation. Your mom, you and your daughter. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. And then um my 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 mother continued to have me train under Rahema in the West mm-hmm. African uh tradition and so Rahema mm-hmm. was actually my first uh teacher and then moving on she then uh Rahema then um encouraged me to audition for Diamantokora uh West African oh. Dance Company and so uh-huh. I I I then um there was a small stint that I went to another company called Chetto but then once mm-hmm. Jamanakota came, I I um I stayed with them way up until um, from age sixteen until mm-hmm. I was I think thirty. I stayed with them, so wow. I trained under them nice. for a very long time. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I I then um even I went through yeah that's, that's um, Mama that's Mama Naomi and, and Baba Zach Papa Zach yes. off uh-huh. yes yes and um. And um, before then, when I my mom also had me go under uh, dimensions extensions, had still oh. had their rites of passage when I was younger. They were just starting the mm-hmm. rites of passage program, so my mother had put me through the rites of passage to get the jazz and the ballet and the and you know the the modern. Um, but my body just really felt more uh, comfortable in in the African style. So I, even though I, mm-hmm. I I'm trained in it, but I never really took it under my belt the way I did the African. Um, I felt mm-hmm. just more natural, more free in my body. Um, but as I as I went I went to college in in Atlanta and so I I started to um this is when I had my daughter. Um and I so I started to teach at Spelman College and me teaching the African there and also being a director of their African dance company back then, um, I was able to put Nafi and to Spelman College, uh, they had a, a youth program um, and kids program. So that's where she started her training with um, the, mm-hmm. the, the jazz and the ballet. And so when we came back, I then um, to Oakland, California, 
uh, with my daughter, uh, I think in about the 2000s, I then uh, started to be, um, I sought out a mentor. And so I, I was uh, under the, the mentorship of Carla Service for Dance Vision. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, I um, Carla Service has been my mentor. Um, but I also have to give credit to um, Laura Ellis and Kendra Barnes. Um, because mm-hmm. they also gave me my first opportunity to present work under Bahia Movement. And so Laura, you know, um, and Kendra said, um, we are excited. Um, we've seen you, you, you know, they, they watched me grow up. So, um, and they've watched <laughs> Nafi. They also trained Nafi. Um, Nafi danced with Dimensions Extension Performance Ensemble with under um, Latanya Tickner for years. So um, they said, you know, we 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 support you. We we want to give you a chance, and they gave me an opportunity to present my first showing under Bahia Movement as the Black Choreographers. So I, I've been blessed. I've been blessed to have really good people supporting me and and believing in me and, and Nafi, believing in us. Mm-hmm. And I, and I I'm thankful. That thankful. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well. Um, Laura Elaine Ellis is in the studio now, so you can say hi to her. She just heard you calling her name. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, wow, wow. Well, congratulations once again on on this wonderful uh, debut of your, your first film and looking forward to more and longer films because this one here, how long is it? Actually, mine is the longest. It's twelve minutes. I was like, oh, yeah, Everybody twelve else minutes. Is okay, like five and six minutes. Yeah, twelve. Oh well, that's almost feature in a short, huh? Twelve minutes. That's I pretty know. Long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And looking yeah. forward to uh, letting us, you know, when when it's uh, when it's available, you know, looking forward to seeing the rest of it. Since I'm not going to be able to make it to the. Um, uh, to the debut um, next week, um, but I'm really, really looking forward to hearing how it goes because Laurie Lane Ellis is going to be moderating the discussion I know. about activism yeah. and the arts, and all of you all who are going to be, you know, who are there, whose films have been screened are going to be, in, you know, sort of engaging with the audience. It's going to be, oh, wow, those films look really hot. So congratulations yeah. on my Penzi's uh, inclusion in this wonderful program, and congratulations on your debut as a director. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. Well, you Thank have you, a good day. for having me. You too. You're quite welcome. Mm-hmm. Peace and blessings. Peace. <laughs> uh, good morning, Laura. How are you? Uh-oh. Laura? Hello? Uh-oh, did I lose you? There you are. No, oh. no I'm here. I'm saying Althea uh. is... Um, consistently creating amazing, you know, work on stage and now mm-hmm. on film. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, good morning, yeah. and you, good morning, good morning. And and you had an opportunity to watch all these great films, right, as a part of your That's right. choreatorial That's right. duties? Yeah, and I'm sorry, I don't think you guys could hear me saying good morning earlier. So I was saying good morning, good morning, but I don't think I was being heard. But I think I'm clear now, yes? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you at first, um, you you weren't. Yeah. Um, your mic wasn't on. I know. And then and then I I, know. I, um, I I opened your mic and then I think you might have been on mute because <laughs> I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Because when I said Laura is here, I I actually right. Well, I, I wanted you all to be able to see. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, but she knows it's okay. Hi. <laughs> it all works out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Laura, um, you know, people who who have been listening to my show know you really well yeah. and uh want you to go off script a little bit and tell us about how, you know, when you fly away took um um took the the uh the the, the weight room the, the weight room the weight to yeah, to the prison. Yeah. yeah and you were performing it outside of the prison like Oh my goodness! Like really? So yeah. I want you to tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know, maybe at the end or something. Well, but let me read your bio real quickly. Um, <laughs> Laurie Lane Ellis um, maintains a nonstop career of teaching, performing, choreo- choreographing, and producing in the Bay Area. I like that sentence. It's like, yeah, it's so true. I mean, I don't know how you do all the things you do. Um, currently, you perform with Deborah Vaughn's Dimensions Dance Theater and Joe Crater's. Flyaway Productions, right. which we were just referencing just now with the fly, um, with um, the weight room. Ah, oh, beautiful work. Um, she has taught 25 years in the dance and theater departments of Cal State University East Bay, Hayward, and the Athenian School. Laura is co-founder and executive director of the African and African American Performing Arts Coalition. She is co-presenter of the Black Choreographers Festival Here and Now (BCF) with arts partner Kendra Barnes. Over the 15 years of presenting BCF, dance on film has often been a part of festival programming. That's so true. That is mm-hmm. so true. You all were like sort of, uh, what do you call it, um, opening up a new new ground around that. Because um, I think when you right. started it, because how old is uh, Black no Choreographers Festival now? 15 what, years. What year is this no, for you no all? One was, 15. No one was really okay. doing, yeah, no one was really doing that with dance at that time. Mhm. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I remember. Um. Now there's all these films with dance, but yeah, I knew you all right. were like, sort of like giving giving uh, directors a venue to be able to show film about dance and to make film right. about dance because they knew like, okay, well I can show it at BCF right. and and BCF has a you know the February and then a fall season. So I mean the fall one is a little shorter, but it still happens. And then you all have other things like little pop up seasons. <laughs> Right <laughs> throughout the year, because like oh, BCF is a part of this right. program. They're you know they're producing like oh okay, yeah. So you know a lot right. of so lot of really opportunity. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah, so that's the thrill of um, being invited to participate in this way as a moderator for the San mm-hmm. Francisco Dance Film Festival. <laughs> it's just I, I was telling them like okay, you're just like right in my wheelhouse, right? Like this is. <laughs> <laughs> what I, what I love, like absolutely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about about the program, uh, raising voices. Um, like tell us about you know sort of some of the films, or maybe all the films, and then you could, we could talk about some <laughs> of the films. Right, well, <laughs> well, certainly. I I first want to let folks know. I don't know if you mentioned it before, but um, uh, the San Francisco Dance Film Festival it begins tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it runs through the 10th. So I want to encourage folks to go to the website for details on programming, um, the various venues and showing times. Um, it's San Francisco Dance Film org. They have an amazing website. It really is beautifully um, uh, crafted. The website itself is a, is a, 
<laughs> is an experience. And then, um, you know, they'll, they'll be at various um, venues from the Lucasfilm Premier Theater to Roxy Theater, Delancey Street Screening Room, and the Catherine Clark Gallery. Now, on November 7th, they'll come over to the Bravo Theater Center, and um, that is where the Raising Voices program will take place on Saturday, November 9th at the Bravo Theater. Um, And it's a program of film shorts um, that focuses on social justice themes. Um, It's films that bring awareness to culture and the power of storytelling through dance on film, really. Um, I don't want to give too much away about the films. I can say that they are provocative. Each one has its unique um, way that the filmmaker has brought the story to the screen. Um, Dance is a running thing throughout. The, The movement in dancing is fantastic in the shorts. Um, there are two films by Yak Films, Yoram Savion. Um, there are two films by artist John Boogs. Um, I appreciated uh, the focus on many local artists, such as Afia and Nafi Thompson. And, and some of the artists have come through BCF. Um, we've shown Yak Films before, um, Mark Bamuti Joseph. His amazing poetry is a feature in um, a piece called About Face, um, and that's in collaboration with Yak Films. Um, There are films such as, let me make sure I get all of my titles correct, because there are a lot. Yeah, there's the film, Um, I Am a Man, M-A-I, I I Am a Man. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's uh, John, um, how do you pronounce his name? That's John John Booth. John Book. John Book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Very, very. Um. Like, yeah. I. I. It's. I can barely find the words. I mean, I think that's what's powerful about film, is really mm-hmm. the visual impact of of the film for the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um. There's so much that's conveyed in each of these shorts, um, mm-hmm. that bring the issues forward that so many folks in our communities across the nation and throughout the world face that are not having equity in their lives. Um, And in most cases, um, there's like a truly abuse of of power, um, policing our bodies, um, uh, an attempt to um, destroy our spirit, and our neighborhoods and um, and our opportunity to have legacy and lifelines in this country. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, you know, an important time, I think, for San Francisco Dance Film Festival to host an evening like this. Um, mm-hmm. If you are like me and you're living in a community and you're seeing the atrocities that are going on, in our in our communities and um, in our lives, then uh, you know that every space that we can tell these stories and bring them to light and bring awareness to folks, um, deepen folks' empathy 
um, around what it's like to be a person of color in this country and in this world, um, then that's important work that's being done. And it really speaks to my spirit as an activist and as an artist, um, the film shorts in this Raising Voices um, program. I was honored to be yeah. a part of, 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 of seeing it and really curating the order of the evening, I have to say. Okay. Because, Wanda, you know I love curation. I mean, that's my favorite part about the festival. <laughs> it's really okay, providing so, a, yeah. a way that the, wow, so the evening Did you choose, flows. excuse me for a second, uh, Laura, did you choose, like, were you a part of the selection, or did you choose what films are going to open and then how they're going to follow one another? Exactly, that part, the second part. So I really okay. um, had, I had some input, uh, pretty mm, large nice. input on, the way the evening will flow, the way that the films, mm-hmm. the ordering of films and how they'll flow. And I okay. really um, spoke out and asked to be able to give some input in that area because mm-hmm. it's what I love to do. And um, I love a particular arc and the way things happen from moment to moment, just like I love mm-hmm. the way a, a, a program of dance, you know, should be, you know, give an experience to the viewer that really takes them on a journey. So um, that was really important to me. And so um, certainly uh, the incredible people that I'm, I've had the, the joy of, of working with through this process, mm-hmm. um, Greta Schoenberg, um, Randall Heath, and Julie Flannery, they really um, have the overall vision because <laughs> they're in charge of the entire festival. But, mm-hmm. um, but they also gave space to, uh, you know, and voice for me to have um, input as well as um, other artists, too, that were part of um, sort of the advisory committee. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, the greatest voice in time goes to these, in, right, incredible filmmakers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's right. what they're about, um, yeah. featuring these magnificent artists. Yeah, let's let's talk about the films because um, I was just you know like for instance um, the film um, you know John um, uh, Boots he mm-hmm. he's got a lot of work I like when I kept on looking I was like oh he's in this one he he was the director of that one um, like for instance the one um, you know I am a man um, that particular one uses um, the uh, the narration of um, of um, uh, Brian Stevenson, um, you know, the person who, the MacArthur genius who created the uh, Equal Justice Institute in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, which looks at giving representation to people that are on death row who have no representation, uh, legal representation, right. that is. And and also his organization is responsible for the um, uh, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice that looks at racial terror killings through lynching and the legacy museum from slavery to mass incarceration. So, so he choreographed to words and it's just Mm -hmm. like so beautiful. And then he has like, as, as the two character dancers are, are walking, um, the words, I am a man. And then variations of that are are Mm -hmm. on a wall. And then there's police violence. Um, And it's just like, so I just love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the detail they're being stripped away. The posters as mm-hmm. it goes through, they're being stripped away. So there's these amazing, like again, the imagery is so powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then and then what came before? You know, sort of like yeah. the overlay and and the and the pictures and the bodies of the dancers, like they look like they're on this big, um, uh, what is it, uh, schoolyard or or yeah. um mm-hmm. court playground. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know where they are. Are they in where? Where are they? Are they in New York? Where are they located? New York, yeah, uh, like playground okay. as meeting playground as meeting ground. You know, like playground okay. as a meeting ground for these cultures to share mm-hmm. the things that that they have in common and to celebrate mm-hmm. those things that they contribute to all of us, right? Like mm-hmm. this entire nation. Right. So, um, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah cause, it has. Mm-hmm. It I has just want to read what what they wrote. Uh, yeah. 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 They says um, what came before um, the little. And you people can you go to the website for SF Dance um, Film Festival and you can watch trailers for some of these. And and so um, it says, what came before the glimmering wretch of concrete over mud, over the mud, before the jazz, the sprinklers in the summer. And so you have people in indigenous uh, costumes, you know, dancing, on um, you know, in the in in the uh, in that sacred circle with with African diaspora um young people who are doing right. you know dance born out of here born from here you know hip hop and other kinds of moves and right. then they you see wow it's as the well same. As, <laughs> and and you also see the the roots of the hip hop in their dancing too mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was yeah. something that came before hip hop <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, that's right the, that's right and the and the connections and how those connections are really um spoken through our body and blood memory. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, that yeah. and that we're talking about touching each other soul to soul. Like mm-hmm. that is that in in the souls lie the, the channeling, the connections to one another and to our past and futures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And that, yeah. And that website again is San Francisco Dance Film Festival. Dot org. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I highly encourage folks to check out the website. It is a beautiful website. You're right. Of of um, trailers and great imagery, imagery and wonderful um, sort of glimpses and descriptions of the work. And then, you know, mm-hmm. folks need to come out and check out the festival, the dance film festival itself, check out what's happening. It's going to be powerful. Um, that evening of, um, of Raising Voices, uh, you did mention in Althea's segment that the artists will be there. I have the amazing opportunity to sit down with these artists and um, really talk about uh, the things that, intrigue them like for me I I often want to know what inspires them to have a particular leaning leaning in their subject matter or the subjects that they select to feature um, as in the peace dreamer um, Manjula Vargas um, Vargas he is featuring a dancer that is reflecting on his status as a Undocumented America and a DACA recipient. What mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what inspires the filmmaker to reach into a particular um, theme or idea 
and then how that translates for them um, when they're collaborating with this artist, with the artist, because sometimes it's one artist, sometimes it's more than one artist, what that experience is like, what that collaboration is like, and then how does it translate for them on film, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are these different mediums, these different ways that art is being created, and then it's in the hands of that director and that editor for how it all comes together. And me being an artist on stage and being such a fan and admirer of what a film artist does, I'm just so excited for the opportunity to talk about the making Mm -hmm. of this art. Right, yeah. Um, I want to um, shift uh, back to uh, the films, <laughs> but thank you so much sure. for telling me about the one because I hadn't seen that one. I was wondering what the Dreamers was about. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't one that I got. But I wanted to um, mention, and then I want to, um, I want to give you, I want to make sure we have time for you to talk about, um, you know, the um, the, uh, the weight room. But searching for wonder, I thought was really beautiful, um, uh, which looked at. Um, the tremendous power we have to, re- to rediscover and reimagine ourselves through our ancestors, their gods, their cultures, and our interconnectedness. And I just think, you know, the poetry uh, in, that, in that piece, you know, we talked about, um, you know, Mark Moody Joseph's poetry in About Mark. Face, um, mm-hmm. and that's part of a trilogy, uh, the second film in that trilogy is called Fear and and that was really powerful and they're all shot in different places like I think about Face um, that shot in Oakland and then um, yeah West Oakland and then the one Fear is shot in Jamaica and then um, the next one which I don't remember the title because um, I, I found it online cause, um, and it's going to be it's going to be shot in Dakar uh, Senegal um, I believe so that's going to be really cool, but the, yeah, but the film you know that we're speaking of, um, it's just it's just so so beautiful. Oh my goodness! It is, and then the social justice underlining message is about displacement mm-hmm. and justification. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, and reminding us how much we have to value mm-hmm. land and value our our economic opportunities and and as communities finding those entry points to getting back our economic power. So it's about that too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it has, mm-hmm. you know, the, the beauty, and, and I think that's what I love about all of these films, the beauty of them, the power of them, really mm-hmm. makes it accessible and allows you to step into a world. But each and every one of them underlines a very powerful social justice message that we really mm-hmm. need to be paying attention to um, mm-hmm. because I think they are um, encouraging us to continue the work that it takes to create change and to make the world better for mm-hmm. you know people of color. And, right. Um, and I think that's, you know, um, just so valuable and needed. Again, mm-hmm. um, when artists are able to, to make, to create a platform for, um, for communities to have these discussions, um, it becomes transformative, right? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. But yeah. Right. But the, beauty, the beauty of the film pulls you into the message in a way um, mm-hmm. that is really, um, really memorable and powerful. Yeah, yeah. And these artists, they, um, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, Afi, you know, her her film is 12 minutes, but most of the films are five minutes, three minutes, mm-hmm. you know, seven minutes. And, uh, and right. it's like, wow, they do so much with such a finite amount of time. You think, whoa, I'm really wasting my time I because I don't pack all this beauty into five minutes, you know, all the time. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I think about the thinking I'm, that goes into that, the choices that are made. Like, whoa, really? Wow. And the choices to edit. Like, wow, could choreographers <laughs> use that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm teasing, but yeah, right, man. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, gosh, we only have four minutes, and I I wanted you to yeah. tell us a little bit about um, Shapeshifter and Infinite Inclusion, but I think people have to catch that. Um, uh, and then if cities could dance, Oakland, we talked about that. Um, with uh, I right. talked about that with uh, Afia. Afia, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to let you go ahead and um take take some time to talk about um you know, um the uh the weight room and then if you have any time left you can you can come back to Shapeshifter and Infinite Conclusion. Cause uh yeah. Well I have to say I do like the idea of again pointing people to the website because you really get such a full um you know, you get these full descriptions, you get the trailers and you really get a great overview of everything that's happening in the festival that um, will run November 2nd through the 10th, so it starts tomorrow, um, at uh, the Lucas Premier Theater, Lucas Film Premier Theater, and then does come to the Bravo Theater Center on November 7th, and the Raising Voices program that I will moderate after the showing of film shorts that's Saturday, November 9th, and it starts at 6 p.m. Um, and then Little Buck, um, this incredible artist, there's a film about that features Little Buck that follows this Raising Voices program at 8 o'clock, oh, same night, same nice. theater. That's going to be a powerful mm-hmm. evening. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, so you really get a chance to find out what's happening every single night of the festival. The website is just an experience, really user-friendly, um, great to navigate, and you just learn so much. And I want folks to go to that website, San Francisco Dance Film org, and you'll find out about the great festival pass that they have to make it affordable for folks to see as much as they want, and, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and how to buy tickets to make sure that you can get out and see some of this work. So well, you just dropped out Little Buck, so you got to tell our audience what it's about. You can't just, like, drop names like that and not say anything. Like, who's the director? What's it about? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let me get to it. Let me get to it. Yeah, and you, the way you say, I'm oh, it, well, people, it's a film. Like, you know, you really website. can't do it justice by talking about it. Like, yes, you can. So, no, we I'm don't want to. No, don't send them. Laura, don't send them to the website. No, tell no, them no, what it's about. I'm going to tell them. But I'm just, <laughs> I, I did make a mistake. It's 8.30 that it shows off. But come in at 8 o'clock. Not a, actually, I want you to come at 6 to see the Raising Voices yeah, and then yeah. hang out at 8.30 to see um, the Little Buck Real Swan. So um, mm-hmm. it's bringing his experience in 
the ballet world with him, right? Um, this incredible artist um, was an, you know, inter- he's an internet sensation. Um, he's an incredible artist um, in his own right, and it really captures um, him telling his story. It's really um, about his journey. He goes back to his hometown. We learn to dance, and he recounts um, his own personal story and um, and also tells us quite a bit about the dance style Jukin. Um, again, visually stunning, vibrant color. Um, you see a lot of little Buck, you know, doing his incredible, like, dancing. And this one uh, has a trailer, so you can go and check out the trailer. And, yeah. um, so where where is Little Buck from? Um, South Memphis. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And South Memphis has a has a has yeah. a artistic choreographed, you know, style. And uh yeah. yeah, the archival footage is really, really and this actual feature film is longer. It's not a minute or two. It's, 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 it's a feature. So you so yep. you know, you can because um, I know last time I went to the uh San Francisco Dance Film Festival, um yeah. uh be, they have like refreshments and there's like things you can do in the lobby. So yep. You know, you 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 can go for the you know six o'clock programming. You know that Laura is moderating the discussion of raising voice, rising voices, no, raising, raising voices. voices, and yeah. and then you know hang out because the directors are going to be there. You could talk more in the lobby. You know, you can see. Oh, I didn't know you were here. You know, meet all these friends that you didn't know were going to be there as well because that always happens when you when good people are doing good things. You run to other good people, right? That's right. And I will say one quick thing about the weight room, because you may or may not know, there was also a hmm. film done of this project. And no, got, really? Yes. And so there is wow. a tie-in. I don't mind talking about it, because we're talking about dance on film. And maybe it will be in next year's San Francisco Dance Film Festival. I don't know. But, oh, wow. Who's the director? Festival Circuit. Um, Austin Forbert. Of Raps Film, okay. Austin okay. Forbert, and he and Joe Kreider uh, worked together with the dancers on this piece, and it premiered mm-hmm. in Austin, New York, as part of our tour to Sing Sing. And all I will say about that is that um, it was quite profound because we were performing right on the edge of the Hudson River. So it was a beautiful, beautiful location in a park right outside of the walls of Sing Sing. And the audience, when they are sitting to watch the piece, they have their backs to the Hudson. They're looking at the piece, our incredible structure, this movable stage structure. And then the guard towers of Sing Sing are looming in the background. So um, very powerful to have this gorgeous vista and then facing the challenge that is the Sing Sing, that is Sing Sing and the, you know, that industrial prison complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so, right. And and, the, and yeah. the weight room, you know, it's almost like you all were sitting in a weight room, you know, that actual exactly. staging was like you were in a weight room because um, – 
the the you know the work is about how the people that wait you know the family the daughters the mothers the fathers Mother. the siblings you know that how how incarceration affects the whole family you know and yeah. and then second, and then the difficulty second. involved in yeah. you know being able to visit your loved one because they might be far away or when you actually get there not having on the right clothes or you know having a bra right. with underwire in it or you know, like mm-hmm. craziness. Mm-hmm. Right. Craziness. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And so there is a film of that. And when we talk about issues like the weight room, we are talking about social justice, um, the inequities that mm-hmm. are so prevalent in our country and globally. And so the incredible films that are part of the Raising Voices program are addressing these issues and it makes for mm-hmm. powerful theater <laughs> and mm-hmm. it makes for um, a transformative experience. So again, I encourage folks to come on out, check out the Raising Voices <laughs> program, November 9th um, at Bravo Theater Center in San Francisco, 6 p.m. Go to that amazing website, San Francisco <laughs> Dance Film Festival dot org mm-hmm. and uh, get your tickets. Come on out. Wanda, thank you so much for the time. You're Down welcome. With you. I love this radio show so much, and I love the research <laughs> that you do and how much you know. You're 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 amazing. Thank you for, for having sure you are. Yeah. You are just wonderful. Um, and um, uh, I was wondering if you can get BCF's um, um, website so people can make sure they don't miss anything because I I I, I yeah. missed something. <laughs> I don't, want, I, want, I don't want anyone else to have my yeah. like, Oh no, it was last week. Time. We're, we're at bcfhereandnow.com, and you spell that all out bcfhereandnow.com. We have programming happening in February and March, um, and then we will be stretching into the fall. So we will have things happening throughout the year in 2020, year 16. All righty. Cool, cool. Well, you have a good rest of the day, uh, Laura, and and have a wonderful time, you know, with that wonderful panel next week. And, and, um, yeah, 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 they picked the right woman. (laughs) You are just perfect for this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm sorry I won't see you next week, but hopefully you'll catch some of the film festival. There's some great things happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back for Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I know you also love film. Dance on film. I do, I do. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. is common. (laughs) All right, and thank you for all the ways you you support and show up um, in in our community here in the Bay Area. Oh, you're welcome, Laura. (laughs) All righty. You take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. Ah, good morning, Cabriciana. Um, where are my notes? Good sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I had. I've written. It. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Let me see if I can do this. Cabriciana, uh, uh, Tatie, uh, Lachey Smith, and yes, um. But you have another name that you're known by, the Breeze. Like, yes, because I'm a fly <laughs> by you, right? <laughs> you know. How I'm are you? I'm well. How you doing, Miss Ticks? I appreciate you for having me. Oh, sure, Miss Ticks. Nobody ever called me that before. <laughs> That's cute. 
<laughs> we practice um, around here. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, yeah, so Carishiana, um, wow, this film um is so, so wonderful. Uh, if cities could dance Richmond, uh it's in in the stories that you're telling about the city. I just love it because you know all of these. If if cities could dance, they're all different and they have their unique uh, flavors, so to speak. And I think yours, of the ones that I've seen, is is the only one that tells the history of of the people. Um, and Yo. I, and, yeah, yeah. I appreciate um, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, and and you know, and I and I think sure that might be because because of your the Rise Youth Center, um, you know, um, component because, and then, you know, um, because I know there was, there, there was a play produced at, by the Richmond center that looked at. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. DeAndre yeah. Evans, Dante Clark. Yes, ma'am. Molly mm-hmm. Rayner, Raw Challenge. Yes. Yes. That, yes that, that exactly. Was, I learned a lot about my own city in that play. And it's funny because a lot of the things that like about the, the the boundary of property the, the African Americans mm-hmm. weren't able to purchase property on certain sides of the city. You know what I'm saying? Like we were mm-hmm. put in certain areas, and it's funny because mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. And it's and Richmond is mm-hmm. so big. All these beautiful chocolate people are spread out nowadays. Hallelujah! But it's funny because you know how there's like turf wars and stuff, but we all came mm-hmm. from like this one part of Richmond. You know what I'm saying? So just learning mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. like fuels my fire too to be like hey y'all come man we finna get this movement i don't know what <laughs> i don't know what kind of oppression we've been experiencing i do but it's like yeah through that mm-hmm. place and through rise that encouraged me to rise out of this system fearlessly mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. wow awesome yeah yeah um so i was wondering you know since you mentioned it what what area of richmond um was um, uh, African Americans were specifically like this is where you live and you can't live over here. Where were the where what what was the geography around where African American people uh, could live and the other places were um, uh, they were being kept out of or you know I think they call it redlining. Yes, ma'am. That sounds mm-hmm. official right there. I believe North Richmond was the location for African Americans and. Downtown Richmond, what we're calling it now again, is like mm-hmm. was the you know the commercial like area where mm-hmm. yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, yes, okay. Ma'am. And and what and what about your family? Did your your parents um, did they come out here um, for the war industry or were they here before that or later than that? That's a beautiful question. My granny is from Louisiana. Baton Rouge, oh, okay. and mm. yes, ma'am, she came down here, I think she just came down here to get out of Louisiana, honestly, and when she bought her property, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. she, she has been here, but I'm pretty sure somebody in the ancestry is linked with that, with those shipyards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what year did your granny come out here to, um, from Baton Rouge? Oh, <laughs> I don't want my granny to hear this and be like, you going, you know what? I don't know what what year my granny came out, honestly. But I believe she probably was in her 30s, probably, Mm -hmm. because she had a baby and she had property right in front of Mm -hmm. where she lives at. (laughs) 
Nice. Yes, ma'am. That's great. Do you all still have the property in your family? Yes, ma'am. But no, ma'am. No, we got it's 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 in our in, in our name. No, it's in our possession. My granny lives there, but reverse mortgage and all that stuff. Like I pray I'm able to to figure out something to be able to keep it because that house is historic to to mm-hmm. to, to us. Right. But yes, no, right. ma'am. Yeah. Reverse mortgage and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are 23 years old, uh, a faith-based movement specialist from Richmond, California. And again, hey. you dance in the film If Cities Could Dance Richmond as a choreographer, writer, singer, and actress. You believe that you were given these gifts in order to heal, feel, and reveal. Roots, the movement, an acronym for Rising Out of the System, was founded out of the Rise Youth Center in 2015. Hey. The mission of the movement is to create art that reflects the biblical destiny of the so-called African-American and their connection to with the descendants of Israel. Israel, yes, ma'am. Yeah, that yeah. Was so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about the film and who's dancing and who choreographed and how how you came to make this wonderful work. It's it's you know it's it's succinct. And it's short, but it's beautiful. And and also, when is the screening? Why don't you tell us that first? When is the screening, so people don't miss I it? I believe, I believe the screening is Saturday, or no, it's Sunday. It's definitely Sunday because I'll be teaching a class. I won't be able to be there, but I'm definitely promoting what? for it. You can't come? Yes, ma- oh no. I know. I'm gonna be teaching my first class in my in my city, Richmond, our city, Richmond. But yes, ma'am, my first dance class. Where? Eleven ten. Five o'clock. It's going to be on Garvin Avenue in Richmond on Twenty Third Street. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. I mean, but it's is, is it Richmond. a dance center? This place is more for. It's honestly, I was walking down the street one day and I looked in and I seen a dance floor with a, a mirror, and that's rare in my city to to have you know a dance studio just on the street. So I walk in, I talk to them, mm-hmm. and they're Spanish speaking. I know a bit of Spanish, so I break the the barrier and we speaking and I teach a class that day at seven o'clock because somebody canceled and then now we've been building this relationship to where I'm able to have a class there they do herbalize but you know we're gonna be moving with the breeze in there we're gonna be we're gonna be doing our dancing I'm excited to to build with them mm-hmm. nice yeah. nice so what um what are you gonna what kind of dance are you gonna be teaching I'm gonna be doing lyrical hip-hop to LMI's trip I I have been exploring like just the freedom of of being like understanding what love means and like there was this quote where it was like okay love is patient love is kind you know it doesn't boast it's long suffering but then there was like a more like another one where it was saying what did it say like if you love a the difference between love and like is if you like a flower you pick it. But if you love a flower, you water it and you allow for it to grow. And with trip, I'm trying to just like heal from my trying to rush and control my own love life or whatever and just giving a a, a space for like-minded or people to come in and heal with me and just like just sweat and, and express themselves in a safe space in Richmond. In Richmond. Mm, mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. nice. 
Oh, that's great. That's that's really great. Um, so tell us tell us about tell us about the film. Um, you know, you're you're not dancing alone, and you all are. It's oh, just no. beautiful watching the film and watching you. It's beautiful. I appreciate you. But I think I am, am I correct? Are you the only woman dancing? I'm trying to remember. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I, I thought am, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Bear. Mama Lioness. I I Cabriciana, and then me and Adiza Thomas created Roots the Movement out of the Rise Youth Center in 2015. But oh. as as time moved on, we collaborated with my brother Deontay Watkins, and now mm-hmm. like it was like a trio, like this powerful source of I don't know. We when we came together, it was kind of like yeah, this is what we're doing. Like there was no type of like doubt in what we were doing was meant to happen and then the kqed thing happened where it was like oh we want y'all to represent y'all city we like we just all right let's move you know Uh what i'm saying like let's do it and we the choreography was choreographed by richmond youth out of the rise youth center that choreography Mm -hmm. is is what because the roots dance team was created originally to choreograph music that was created out of the rise youth center and the song mm-hmm. Love March that was featured on the on the on the film was a song by Dante Clark, Naya Bingaziani, Tio and a multitude of DeAndre, a multitude of other people who were from the Rise Youth Center. And that was mm-hmm. our original goal. But after just like my vision of and that's what I'm saying, like it's like when I realized like the deeper meaning of rising out of the system, I believe the direction that I want to, or not, I feel like I need to go in differs from my family. And that's perfectly fine. My dance family is still my dance family. Shout out to team no cap Richmond, California. We represent, but it's like, we're all a part of the body. You feel me? And sometimes Mm -hmm. we differ in the way we execute certain things. But that doesn't that doesn't mess up the fruit. Mm-hmm. That don't mess up the fruit. So I I'm moving yeah. in a different direction, but I believe that I believe there's divine protection. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, your your film I I was looking for while we were speaking. Um yeah, so your program you're a part of the closing night program on November 10th, uh 7 p.m. Uh, which is a Sunday, and I'm so happy I will be able to go. I'm, I'll be back from New Orleans um, oh, on yes, Sunday. Oh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm from. I was born there. Oh. Yeah. So, um, so there is a, a slave rebellion reenactment um, this coming week, um, Friday, Saturday. We're gonna retrace the steps of the largest slave rebellion in the United States history in 1811, January 8th and 9th, um, uh, 1811. And uh, so we're going to be in period clothing um, and uh, walking, you know, along the river road uh, to New Orleans. Um, and uh, and Dred Scott, the artist, this is his vision. Um, and so, so anyway, so it'll be really, it should be really, really exciting. But I come back on Sunday. And so I will be able to, to, you know, come and you won't be there, but your other folks will be there in the audience. So I'll be able to, like, 
watch it on the big screen with other folks as a part of this program, um, the closing night program. So it's going to be really exciting. And I, I need everybody to make sure that if you're not at my dance class, you are at this film festival. You feel me? And I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> this opportunity, Miss Picks. And that sounds amazing that what you're doing in New Orleans and that it's artist-led because mm-hmm. that's, I feel like, why we're here to make the revolution, like, well, that's what I read on this thing, the, to mm-hmm. make the revolution, like, not attainable, but, but to spark some, some like, hey, this, this is what's happening, family. So I appreciate the mm-hmm. fact that that's what you're doing for your weekend. And it's not going to weaken you, it's going to strengthen you. So I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, for the ancestors, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you and know, you I, I definitely. So you feel me? Like, hmm? you, you're here, you feel me? Like, and, and, and that's the gift. And, and that's why, like, I am grateful for my ancestors and the the legacy and just the 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 regality and the fearlessly and the just like you know when you think about slavery nowadays it's not like either it's like hushed about or it's like mm-hmm. y'all still <laughs> and like you know as I'm getting older I'm only 23 but mm-hmm. just growing up and having it just kind of flipped over in my history but in, in school you know what I'm saying like now it's 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 deep and it's still mm-hmm. here and that's why we're doing what we're doing I'm, I appreciate you Miss Picks and I don't think this is our last conversation I feel like oh no this, yeah yes mm-hmm. ma'am yeah so I was wondering if you could um you know talk more about about art I mean you do so many you have so many different um ways of expressing yourself as an artist um I wonder if you could tell me sort of um, how art, you know, has been a vehicle, you know, of your expression and, and liberation and freedom, like staying free. Um, because, you know, you mentioned uh, Deontay Watkins. I think he was a former student of mine. Um, uh, I teach at community colleges, Peralta Community Colleges. And um, and, and when uh, yes. Deontay Clark had his um, his book party, No Freedom, uh, Deontay, he shares some poetry, and then when I have my poetry event this February, and I want to invite you to participate next year, uh, it's going to be on February 1st at the West Oakland Library, he shared some work, and he also shared his, his book that he had just published, which is a graphic novel about his life, which is so beautiful. Um, yeah, I was wondering if you could just talk about you know your art making and, and, and how you know it's been a tool for liberation um, for you. As of lately, now I see, like, how serious it is in my healing because I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, at first it was just like, you know, I, I just dance or, you know, that's really all I did, dance and I acted in plays. But, like, mm-hmm. singing, I prayed for singing because I, I didn't know how to sing, I promise you, or I didn't think I knew how to sing. And I still have, you know, you be doubting yourself sometimes, unfortunately, but we going to push through that because that's not the spirit that we were given. But the moral of what I wanted to say was, like, when I – my art now is – yeah, it's serious. <laughs> it's serious because now I'm able to – I have to tell my truth now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's my truth, but, like, the pain that I've – we all experience pain and, but the pain that I've experienced, I feel like I didn't go through it for no reason, of course, but 
it's like I need to get it out of me in order for me to function, you know, in, in, in the best capacity. Like, if you're not revealing what you've experienced in a way that's, like, positive, it's like you're taken away from the fact that you're still here, for one thing, and then it's like, I don't know. I, I just feel like now, I just get it now. Like, mm-hmm. I get why the angels sing. You know what I'm saying? It's deep. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's powerful. When you hear a song, ooh, you know you hear a song and it touches you right, like, it hits you. They know the notes, the the science, the Whew. it's real and I'm like at the beginning of my artistic journey you feel me it's like a shift happening now I have responsibility hmm. yeah that's my mm-hmm. art I need it yep I don't know why yeah. I was doing other stuff because <laughs> this is this is it mm-hmm. this is it miss ma'am uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So so tell me more about your family and tell me about um uh the um the mission of the movement is to create art that reflects the biblical destiny of the so called yes. African American in quotation marks and their connection with the descendants of Israel. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'll be getting emotional, but it's beautiful. I mm-hmm. think that once once I, like, began to be asked questions about African-American people, you feel me, and, like, African-American, and then, like, Africa wasn't even called Africa, and then America mm-hmm. wasn't even called America, <laughs> so now we call these mm-hmm. two th- people that you didn't create it, and I didn't even think about it, though. Like, these questions weren't in my head, and then when you read, like, there's this book – called Deuteronomy and mm-hmm. it talks about the blessings and the curses of these people that are talked about. It's like I realized that the Bible is like a history book of a specific people and I didn't realize that it's like anyway I don't even call it the Bible no more. I call it like the divine book or like the basic instruction before leaving earth but to see the parallel between what the people in this book keep going through these cycles of slavery or oppression or they keep rebelling or they keep you know worshiping these foreign gods and like you know committing adultery and and coveting and all this stuff and I look at what we doing right now and I'm like why do we look just like them but why are we being persecuted alright for sure it's these you know, people talk about generational curses, and I didn't really know the severity of it until I was like, uh, like, it's it's a systematic, like, it's like a, it's a killing off, a, an intentional killing off of a people that's happening right now, and it was happening back then, and I feel like Roots the Movement is here to be able to expressed through art and other forms of creativity the mm-hmm. to show it 
plain and clear because it is plain and clear. Like this is what it this is what it is. This is what it is. And yes, ma'am. I feel like it's this book is it's a whole bunch of it's about a whole bunch of chocolate people going through a whole bunch of stuff we still going through right now and it's easy to 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 see it now. But anyways, yes ma'am. That's 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 the reason why I decided to 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 rise out of the system in a in a different way this time. Like it's not just I'm we, we ain't just dancing no more. Like it's mm-hmm. it's time to tell stories that need to be told or talk about things that don't necessarily get enough light when it is light. Yeah. I'm like, it's, yes, ma'am. You know, um, you know, I'm looking at, um, you know, this picture, if cities could dance Richmond and, and this is, everybody's flying, like your fists are up and they're flying. And I'm like, and I'm trying to think of some, um, this old Avenue and, I can't. Is that Fourth Street? Uh, I can't see that. And and there's a mural behind the dancers. Uh, what's what is that cross street at Bissell where the, for that that picture of that shot? And there's the building with the the mural on it. And it's got um, it's a big building. Thirty first Street. Uh, the the Rise Center. Okay. Yes. Yeah, thirty fourth. Yeah, that is a beautiful 31st. picture. It's yeah. like like the fist is like strong, and and then the story. The stories of of the dancers. I think it's Aziza, you know, talks about uh, their story, you know, of um, of witnessing a, a shooting and how they just Beyonce. really, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and how dance. Um, it seems like dance gave them a reason to or a, a way to come back, you know, into into their body and and be present because there was a lot of fear. I mean, of course, you know, you see our, someone our killed, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally, right, right. And, yeah, it's just, and you know, and then the watch you just so easily, you know, slip into a split. I'm like, well, look at her. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you all you know, look like taking over, this, taking in the space, right, as you're dancing. It's just so beautiful. Um, the cinematography is awesome. So how they how did, did um yes ma'am yeah how did how did you all happen to to um, be able to be a part of this um, series you know of um of if cities could dance because it's on KQED people can go there and and watch you know if cities could dance Richmond if cities could dance Oakland if cities could Oakland, dance yes, Seattle if cities Seattle, could dance I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah yeah how how did you happen you know who who's the who's the, the person that did the, the shooting, and how did you set it up, and how long did it take for you to make the film? Okay, I believe this is the the bridge. I believe that Jamar Welch, Jamar Nicholas Welch, Housing Authority, oh. Richmond, California, my uncle uh-huh. in dance. I believe he uh-huh. was approached, and he knows that me and Deontay and Aziza begin creating our movement and mission and, and dancing. And I believe that he was like, you know what? Let me pass the baton for my youngsters and let me allow mm-hmm. for them to be introduced. Or it might have been Ezra Bristow or Ezra who was approached mm-hmm. and he is from the East coast and mm-hmm. he was approached, but he knows us. And Masha asked if we were 
open to being featured in like December. I was like, sure, didn't think too much of it. But then, you know, their follow up game is Supreme. Shout out to Masha. Shout out to everybody a part of it. I don't want to like forget anybody's name right now, you know, but my Mm -hmm. family is my family. You feel me? And it, it definitely was. Like we were in the dance studio at East, at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, working on right, and they walked mm-hmm. in and we like, oh, all right, <laughs> like, like literally, all right, let's do it. But we, mm-hmm. we didn't think about they put it together so well, like with the clips of the old school, like with the Lindy, with 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 the North Richmond and the and the just the shipyards, they did it so good that. Mm-hmm. I was nervous at first, you know what I'm saying? Like, being interviewed, like, talking and stuff. I talk a lot, and I was like, I hope she got <laughs> something, you know? I hope she got something, but mm-hmm. she did. And they did an amazing job with all three of us. Yes. All three of us. Yes, it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, your story is not as, as highlighted, so I'm really happy we're getting some background here because people aren't going to see all of this in, in the film necessarily because the film is just – what, a couple of minutes long? Um, but there's so much in the film. Like, whoa, how did they do all that? It's so amazing. Um, so it's really great to be able to speak to you, um, Gabriciana, um, or The Breeze. So we're kind of out of time now. So I was wondering if you could okay. we could close with a poem or something or a song, whatever you're feeling. Shema Israel, Yahuwah. Yahuwah Yahuwah Hold up where my where my my sister this ain't no competition. I move with no suspicion, speaking truth so they listen. I'm no longer falling through repentance. I'm forgiven. Tomorrow ain't promised. Darkness had me tripping. Now I rock my long skirts. I keep my head wrapped. Child of Yisrael, bloodline, that's a fact. Say my culture is a color. Where they do that at? So when we speak, think first before you call me black. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. Wow, wow, so so wonderful. So I want to let folks know that you can um, you can see if cities could dance Richmond as a part of the closing program for the San Francisco Dance Film Festival, which begins tomorrow and it goes through next Sunday, November tenth. And uh, this particular film is a part of that program. Seven p.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a Brava Center in San Francisco, and uh, for tickets, you can go to sfdancefilmfestival.org and get tickets um, to this wonderful program, and especially to see this wonderful film. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, and yes, we definitely need to continue it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Miss Pick. <laughs> Would you mind if uh, I you're... plug my social media account? Oh, Sure. Yeah, please do that. Plug it. I apologize. <laughs> I just, you know, hey, family. No, no, go ahead. No. Follow me on the gram at Breeze on the Beat, at Moving with the Breeze, and at Roots the Movement. I appreciate you, Ms. Picks. Oh, you're welcome. You have a good rest of the day. Continue to. All right. Okay, peace and blessings. Mm-hmm.
Ah, good morning, um, Dr. Rachel uh, Carico. Is that how you say it, or Carico? Yes, yes, Carico, Carico, Carico. I'll take it. Any of the above. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When I when I when I heard that you were gonna be connecting Oakland to New Orleans around the second line, you feel like. Well, I was like, oh, wow, this that's going to be so interesting tonight as a part of the Mills College uh, Dance Department's 80th anniversary conversation, and that's going to be so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Are you in town now? Yes, yes, I am. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh, sure, sure. Well, let me read your bio, and then we can you can give us a little preview to your talk this evening. <laughs> Sure. Um, sure. Um, so um, Dr. Uh, Carrico is an assistant professor of dance studies in the School of Theater, dance at the uh, University of Florida. Her research explores the aesthetic, political, and social histories of second lining, an improvisational dance form rooted in the New Orleans African diaspora parading traditions. Uh, she's going to give a lecture again tonight, uh, November 1st, on the intersection of New Orleans and Oakland dance traditions. Before joining the faculty at the University of Florida, Dr. Carrico um, held faculty appointments at Reed College, Colorado College, University of Oregon, and Wilson Colleges. In 2015-16, she was the Mellon Postdoctoral Fellow in Dance Studies at Stanford University. Oh, so you come back and forth all the time, huh? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, she holds a Ph.D. in Critical Dance Studies from the University of California, Riverside, an M.A. in Performance Studies from NYU, and a teaching certificate from the Limon Institute. She parades annually in New Orleans with the Ice Diva Social and Pleasure Cup. So it's like, okay, i got to come see your folks, you know, like this coming year, <laughs> 2020. <laughs> so you got to give me the right, details right. on that. Yes, yes, we parade every um, every March. It's always the Sunday, uh, the weekend that Daylight Savings Time ends. So whatever weekend on the calendar that is, we're always that Sunday. This year, I, 2020, I think it's March 13th or something like that. Okay, okay. I'm putting it down now. All right, but, but I'll definitely confirm <laughs> with you. I'll see, I'll see you there. <laughs> okay, super, super. Yeah, so um, are you a New Orleans native? I'm not. I'm not. So I, um, I grew up outside of St. Louis, and okay. um, I initially my first real trip of any um, of any real length and any substance to New Orleans was actually after Katrina, um, mm. and I went in. It was the summer of 2007, and went there for a summer to volunteer with an artist collective of local artists who were. Um, putting on this big site-specific performance in one of the flooded neighborhoods. So it's a, you know, a group of artists who all had roots in that neighborhood and um, wanted to stage performances in some of the um, flooded and in some cases completely, uh, completely absent structures that had been totally washed away. This was the Lakeview neighborhood on the um, shore of Lake Pontchartrain. And so I had gotten connected to these artists through some of my professors when I was at NYU working on my master's um, and, um, you know, just went for the summer to, to volunteer with them and help them sort of get this production up and running. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just completely um, taken with the way in which artists were really taking the lead artists and culture bears and, you know, tradition bears were taking the lead in many respects of rebuilding the city after the disaster. And that in New Orleans, this was a place where culture and art and expression wasn't something that would be brought back after the quote unquote important things (laughs) were rebuilt, even though that, you know, that's important too, to have the infrastructure, but it, it wasn't seen as something additional or separate or extra, uh, but really the, the reason that people needed to rebuild their homes because of their culture and art and expression and, and connections to each other. And um, at the time I was living in New York and uh, working for a couple of different nonprofits doing arts administration and arts education and really interested in uh, the intersections of art and social justice and whatever whatever that could mean. And that summer of volunteering uh, really showed me that if I were going to learn anything about art and social justice, I needed to be learning from um, artists in New Orleans uh, during as they were rebuilding their lives and homes. And so, um, so I picked up my stuff and relocated um, pretty soon after. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it took me about a year to, to figure it out and get it together, but um, but yeah, so that was so that was my um, the beginning of my uh, long, um, well I guess not all that long, but that was about what now twelve years ago. That was the beginning of mm-hmm. my um, my history with New Orleans. Okay, so um, were any was any what was the name of the uh, the uh, the the public art work that um, the performance mm. piece that was created and and I presume that uh, the Shana Griffin was a part of that, right? Maybe. Uh, n- no, she wasn't actually. Um, oh, that was but, that but you know was her called um, Shana Griffin. You know the name sounds really familiar, but I'm I'm not yeah, she's sure. with Antenna now, but yeah, um, oh, she's yes. a grassroots okay. organizer, artist, and she does big things. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. and she's actually uh, working on with um, Dred Scott the um, the slavery uh, reenactment. Um, right, right. Uh, uh, slave with the slave rebellion reenactment next this coming week. That's right. And I'm going. I'm going yes. to participate. I'm going down there <laughs> to be a part of that. You are. Uh, oh, are you wow. going to be there? Uh, well, I will not. Unfortunately, I will not. Um, but I have been. I'm on his. Uh, I saw him speak about it uh, a couple of years ago um, as he was putting it together, and I'm on the I'm on the mailing list, so I am <laughs> keeping up to date with it. I wish I would love to be there, but um, I'll have to uh, just hear about it, read about it. Maybe I can call you after and ask you how it what it was like. But, oh, yeah, um, that sounds certainly. like a really amazing. <laughs> it sounds like an amazing project. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do yeah. the walk, the whole walk? It's going to last. Yeah, I'm doing the walk. Yeah, I'm going to do the 28 miles or something. And, and I'm wow. I'm not camping out. I'm I'm going to be on a cot in in the Sacred Heart School. That's you know mm-hmm. along the along the path along the road. You know, going toward mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, yeah, but it's going to be really exciting. You know, sort of celebrating our ancestors. Um, you know. Um, you know, uh, resistance to enslavement and uh, mm-hmm. and, and claiming the human right to freedom. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, then and even now, constitutionally, you know, African people are not seen as parts as a part of this nation. You know, as mm-hmm. citizens. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, just mm-hmm. sort of, you know, sort of embodying that, just sort of like all those folks that died, because it was such a brutal ending, right? You know, where they were cutting off people's heads mm-hmm. and putting them on stakes, like, ugh. Um, mm-hmm. Just to be able to, like, embody that, you know, in costumes and in spirit on the 400th anniversary of African-American history in this country, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, like, mm-hmm. fabulous. Yeah, well, I wish you and all of your fellow, um, I'm not, performers, participants, procession, mm-hmm. processioners, yeah. um, stamina and strength and safety um, as you do it. Yeah, really incredible. thank you, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but definitely call me and let, ask me how it went. I will definitely share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would love to hear that. Well, and I love what you said too about, um, you know, this uh, this idea of um, claiming, like asserting citizenship and a claim mm-hmm. to asserting citizenship and belonging in humanity by moving through the land, by moving through space. Um, and that's essentially what second line parades do, you know, on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and in kind of a um, a smaller scale in an urban context. But, um, you know, as some, in some Sundays, you have thousands of people and predominantly, I mean, it, it's still predominantly African-Americans gather to uh, parade through the streets every single Sunday for hours and, you know, and take it over and sort of all, other functions of what the street and that sort of, you know, public space might be used for are just suspended. The rules are suspended and given over to music and dance and conviviality and joy and rhythm. And that takes precedence. And that way of just sort of asserting presence, ownership of place, um, belonging, you know, I think it's a really an extremely powerful tradition. And I mean, it has been serving those functions for the, 130 plus years that the second lines have been occurring regularly in the city of New Orleans. But, you know, what a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about tonight with how, um, how incredibly important that tradition was for claiming space and the right to return after Katrina of asserting mm-hmm. the right to belong, to be present, um, to be owners of the space in a moment where who owned the city and who had the right to return and rebuild was so intensely contested. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah, and, and before people could get back, you know, their houses were demolished. Oh, you didn't respond mm-hmm. to the note in time. Like, well, gosh, mm-hmm. I was, like, not present. Like, you put a note on mm-hmm. a house that's, <laughs> you know, that's inhabitable, mm-hmm. and then I don't get there, and I come back, and all I have is a foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really terrible. Um, and then, and then, sort of the mismanagement of funds and all the different entities, all the different government entities that were not talking to each other that people would have to talk to. And then you sign papers in, with one entity, and then this other one is the one that did needed the information, and then they don't get it, and then your house is demolished. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was really exactly. crazy. Yeah, yeah, and not to mention yeah. all the children that were separated from family. Right, that's right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, children, family, social networks um, really mm-hmm. torn apart, and um, as people were, you know, displaced and moved all over the country, and many people here to the Bay Area, 
right, and, right. Um, California yeah. was kind of a major um, a major center that that people um, relocated, and and in some cases, um, a lot of folks are still here. The numbers on that um, are not as we don't have as good a data on that as you might think. Um, people that mm-hmm. have tried to sort of do those. Um, that data collection of, okay, where do people go and have they returned and have they sort of settled? Um, and there's, there's some research out there about that, but it, it's not terribly conclusive. But um, the, the numbers that have been collected and put out really show that the, uh, the Bay Area has, a, um, has been quite a, a center for people relocating after Katrina. And, you know, and mm-hmm. that connects, too, to this, of course, larger, longer history of uh, migration uh, of African-Americans from Louisiana to California, to the Bay Area specifically. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, because sometimes I know um, people were coming to the Bay Area because they had family already here. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, exactly. but sometimes that worked. Yeah, but for, in other ways, though, it was just a, a continuation of the Ma'afa, you know, the you know, mm-hmm. the great calamity, mm-hmm. you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, dates back to our ancestors, you know, being, you know, captured and sold into, um, you know, mm-hmm. to the enslavement. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just more of the same, you know, well, okay, they didn't keep records. Well, why would they? I mean, there was no monetary mm-hmm. connection there. If, if if we were like parcels, you know, if we were property, mm-hmm. there would have been records, right? Because <laughs> there mm-hmm. would have been insurance. Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. there was no no monetary value in keeping track of the babies that were separated from family, you know, um, mm-hmm. of of the elders that were, lives were terminated because there was only so much water to go around, you know, at, at Charity Hospital. And mm-hmm. the water was rising, and so, you know, well, you know, there's no value. There would have mm-hmm. been better numbers. But because, you know, black life still doesn't matter, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, those with, you know, sort of the dominant kind of, um, part of the dominant discourse, you know, where things get sort of uh, printed and cataloged and, and, and published, you know, it's like, wow, that's such a tragedy because, you know, we weren't moving ourselves around. Other people were moving us around um, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. So that that exact those connections that you're sort of threading, um, threading through, these are um, – some of the exact uh, exact things that um, the the piece that I'll be talking about a little bit tonight and talking with the artists about tonight at, the, at this event, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is connecting the histories, um, long and more recent histories of displacement um, uh, with uh, Dimensions Dance Theater and uh, specifically mm-hmm. Latanya Tigner's work uh, called yeah. St. Anne and North Rampart Street that she began to work on um, in the years after Katrina and continues to perform, you know, uh, repeatedly. I think it's become, it sounds like it's become a favorite in the area. (laughs) Yes, it is. And Mm -hmm. and so, you know, a lot of um, this, uh, my own educating myself about these, these connections between New Orleans and Oakland has come about by um, being introduced to it through her work and the way that her Mm -hmm. work is having impact on uh, local audiences here, and um, so uh, so they'll be in the house tonight, actually leading uh, the second line parade with, a, with the band NJ's Brass Boppers, the local band here. Um, and so that will be the first thing that happens tonight is um, 
a second line parade through the campus of Mills College that begins at the entrance of the college at 6.30 and then ends in Lister Hall where uh, uh, Tigner and the other dancers are going to lead everybody in attendance in a little uh, kind of like footwork lesson, uh, a participatory mm-hmm. moment for a little basic <laughs> second line footwork. So if you come, definitely wear your dancing shoes, whatever whatever that means to you. Um, and then we'll transition from there into a kind of sit down conversation. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll give a, a bit of a talk on some of these, some of the histories and, and second lining in New Orleans and its history there, and then transition mm-hmm. into a, a conversation with the artists and their their process and Tigner's process of research um, about second lining in New Orleans and how she's been communicating that to her dancers and um, translating that into this performance that that is being performed here and having such an incredible impact on audiences here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, sort of the history of the second line. Because I'm thinking of the um, <clears throat> of the Mardi Gras, not the Mardi Gras, excuse me, um, the New Orleans um, way of or African way of commemorating our our dead. You know how mm-hmm. how there is you know you know sort of the dirge you know going to the cemetery and then the more celebratory exit um and then thinking about you know sort of um in uh ifa and uh sort of spiritual um uh spiritual uh system how you know when you when you go to the cemetery um you know um you know when you leave um you know you sort of brush you brush yourself off so that you don't you know mm. take any of that you know those kind of spirits with you um mm-hmm. because it moves, um, mm-hmm. and 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 just sort of looking at it, kind of in an African way, um, how you know music and dance is supposed to lift your spirit, even when the mm-hmm. message is, is 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 serious and it might be sad. Um, Oliver Mutakusi told me, um, you know, uh, Tuku, you know, great great artist, uh, you know, from uh, Zimbabwe, and he would say that you know you don't want to like make the people weep <laughs> you know i mean the the message is already sad but you you don't have to couch it in something that's going to make them depressed cuz then they won't be able to move mm-hmm. and do something about it necessarily mm-hmm. yeah so i just wanted you to talk a little bit about you know just sort of the whole idea of a second line like where does that come from <laughs> cuz sure, you know it's something that's sure. a tradition in 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 um in new orleans and you know, you think about New Orleans, Congo Square, you know, and on Sundays having the drumming that was suspended after the 1811 <laughs> um, insurrection. It's like, no, nah, y'all can't mm-hmm. get together on Sunday anymore. But, That's um, right. <laughs> um, but just so the whole idea of um, of, of African cultural, um, you know, retention and expression and and how New Orleans will be like the most African city in the in the in the country. Right, right. At least it used to have um, that. I mean, I don't know now, but it used to be have that particular designation. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, oh yeah, there's there's so much in there, and everything you just laid out for us there. Um, I mean, just to maybe speak to the last point first. You know, I, I think people. Do you still refer to New Orleans that that way as the most African city? But certainly the demographics have changed, you know. Um, and um, I think that again, like getting back to that numbers question, the um, the most 
stable sort of number I've seen in terms of uh, the number of African-American residents who were permanently displaced is, uh, I think, 100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it was certainly the city is definitely whiter. It's definitely wealthier. Um, it's smaller. Its footprint is smaller uh, since Katrina. You know, all of the... Um, all of the public housing developments now are either have been completely turned into a kind of a, a public-private uh, sort of combination housing or are in the process of that uh, transition happening, even though the vast majority of those housing developments were not seriously damaged by the storm. Um, but, you know, these are things that, of course, we're seeing happening here in Oakland. We're seeing happening in Brooklyn, we've been seeing happening all over the country in various ways, and it was certainly in process in New Orleans before 2005, but the storm um, just sort of gave politicians and developers um, this, uh, what they, you know, talked about as a blank slate to um, really accelerate uh, those changes that would uh, displace and continue to push out the poor um, and who often are people of color. And so definitely the demographics look different, but I, I do believe New Orleans still uh, retains that, that unofficial designation as the most African city in the U.S. still to this day. Um, and so to get, to get back to your question of history, yeah, you know, um, LaTanya Tigner and I were talking yesterday with some students at Mills about, like, yeah, how old is the Second Line tradition? Like, you know, how old? 150 years, 200 years? And it's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it kind of depends on where you sort of locate its origin. And a lot of people do, uh, a lot of practitioners, Second Liners in New Orleans do really, if you ask them, like, where does it come from? Why do you Second Line on Sunday? You know, they'll talk about Congo Square. And um, the... Uh, the tradition of on Sundays being a, um, uh, a day off, and I'm putting off in air quotes, um, but that in the, <laughs> in the city of New Orleans that, um, <laughs> that included um, African people and people of African descent, both of, uh, enslaved and free, but who would gather in Congo Square to, as you mentioned, to drum, to dance, speak in their native languages, to sell goods, um, and um, that this kind of... Uh, the, the Sunday practice of gathering together has uh, persisted, you know, in the, in the Sunday parading tradition and um, that many people sort of credit that with being this incubator for, you know, a whole, a whole slate of American culture, like from just jazz period, you know, into, into mm-hmm. so many things. Um, and I really appreciate what you mentioned too about um, the, uh, uh, the gatherings at Congo Square being really kind of shut down after 1811, and that actually happened this period of shutting it down and opening it back up happened, I think, a couple of times throughout its history, and that it really points to this um, fact that Congo Square was a heavily, it was at once a heavily policed space and a very, um, I guess, a permissive space for, for sharing culture and for um, for people from different parts of the African continent for sharing their, their rhythms and songs and, and ways of dancing, you know, and that kind of uh, sort of created this, like, creolized culture that New Orleans is really known for. And that was definitely true because um, people could retain their drums, you know, and could continue to play music and dance together. But at the same time, um, it, it was always heavily policed. And there were and there was always <clears throat> sort of tourists and writers, you know, white folks on the other side of the fence. Um, there to um, 
uh, to sort of, you know, take it, take it in as a spectacle and that this was maybe in some people speculate in many ways why the city allowed it to continue um, because it was a tourist attraction, you know, in some ways. So, uh-huh. And then in moments where it became too dangerous, then it was um, shut down and then discontinued. So, um, but, you know, but that also speaks to what you were saying earlier about, like, the you know, the interdependence of, of things that are both heavy and light, both um, sad and joyful of, of loss and trauma along with perseverance and spirit and lifting up. Um, and that that is definitely at the heart of the second line tradition that has uh, a deep roots in the funeral tradition. Um, in New Orleans, they call it being, being buried with music. <clears throat> it's taken on a sort of popular name of the jazz funeral, but Locally, people talk about it being buried with music, and um, it, exactly as you described, that um, the the dirge will happen from the church um, to the cemetery if if one is being entombed within the within the city walls. Although that's happening, you know, less and less often. The cemeteries are kind of located. Uh, further outside the city boundaries than uh, would be reasonable to expect people to walk in. So, um, you know, there, but there's a dirge, <laughs> there's a dirge procession from the church to to a designated location. You know, if it's not mm-hmm. the cemetery proper, um, at which at which point the body is cut loose, um, or you know, mm-hmm. traditionally when the the casket is put in the tomb. In the tomb, of course, because in New Orleans people aren't buried underground because of the high water table. Um, but above ground, um, in an above ground tomb. And at that point, once the body is cut loose and the, and the spirit is, is, set, is set loose, you know, and, and free to, to find its way um, into transition into, its, into the, the afterlife, you may call it, then the, the folks on earth, on the ground, then transition too into celebrating, celebrating their life and celebrating um, their connections to each other. So it moves from this kind of, heavy, somber uh, remembrance, both of us, you see that in the, the way that people move. Um, there's a very um, uh, typical dirge step, you know, that people move to in, in time with the music that is slow and kind of weighted. And then as soon as um, that the body is cut loose, that transition happens and the music kicks up and people kick up too. They, you know, lift up and the tempo picks up um, and then it's a celebration. But but even though that structure kind of happens like one and then the other, um, that, that both are always present, as you're saying, that there's, um, that both are sort of paths to, um, to connection, paths to mourning, paths to transcendence, paths to, to spiritual experiences, to expression, um, that when we begin to celebrate, it's not that the, um, the loss is forgotten, but, but it's all embedded in there. And so, you know, that's the funeral tradition is a really important part. It still continues, you know, it's an important part of the root mm-hmm. of second lining, and it, it's by no means um, something historic. It's still very much alive. And uh, today, you know, there's also, in addition to funerals um, that happen as needed on Sundays, uh, almost every Sunday, I think 39 Sundays per calendar year, uh, there, there's a second line parade on Sundays. And these are um, the pure celebration in terms of they um, are not necessarily occasioned by um, the death of a community member, but um, are planned to celebrate uh, the social aid and pleasure clubs is what they're, they're called today, the mutual aid societies and benevolent societies that exist, still exist in New Orleans um, in very strong numbers. And so every single Sunday, a different one of these, a different club puts on um, 
procession that uh, honors their club, celebrates their neighborhood, their community, uh, moves through the streets for four hours. They always start at either noon or one, depending on if it's daylight savings time or not, and uh, moves for four, generally four hours. That's the length of the uh, permit that the city will grant. So, so these days they, they are four hours and not a minute over unless they're going to pay overtime to the police escorts. Um, so that happens almost every single Sunday. And, um, you know, and even though these, the, the cause for these processions every Sunday is celebratory, often embedded within them um, can be a moment to stop and remember somebody in the community who has passed. You know, they, they uh, make pauses throughout the four hours to significant locations in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and um, in this way sort of document these local histories that are important to people who belong to that particular club and their families and communities. And sometimes those important locations include um, either the location that's significant to someone who may have passed in the last year. Hmm. Oh, wow, that's really wonderful. Um, I want to ask you about um, the ISEVA Social and Pleasure Club, and I was wondering, oh, um, yeah. are are you one of the founders of that one, or did you jo- join it in sort of what, I don't know if social pleasure clubs have, like, missions or, you know, with regards to the membership, um, but I was wondering, mm-hmm. who, who are you all? Yeah, that, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so I'm not one of the founders. Um, I think okay. this March will be my seventh, I believe my sixth or seventh year parading with them. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I know your, your previous guest, uh, you were always speaking about the series, If, uh, if Cities Could Dance. And uh, yeah. there is um, an episode, Kelly Whalen made a piece, uh, If Cities Could Dance, episode about New Orleans, about Second Line. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and um, the Ice Divas are um, are featured in that, and so and the founder Katina Braxton Robertson is interviewed, and so you can hear her speaking about the club and her reasons for founding it. Um, and so I'll just point point your listeners to the source there um, for um, for that history. But but I will say that. Um, a little bit about my history joining it is uh, the club isn't mm-hmm. that old. It was founded, I guess it had been in existence for one or two years by the time I was invited to join. Um, and they mm-hmm. had, the founders had um, kind of split off from another group. They all belonged to a much bigger group. They decided they wanted to do their own thing, kind of splintered off and started their own group. And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about that is that it really speaks to the fact that this tradition is rooted and it's old, but it's also not static. You know, it's very dynamic right. and constantly changing. Um, so, uh, so I not being from New Orleans, and um, I'm also I'm a white person who's not from New Orleans, and that's very unusual to be involved in the Social Aid and Pleasure Club, um, mm-hmm. and for someone not local and also um, not black. And I was mm-hmm. dancing, attending Second Lines when I was doing my uh, dissertation research. At this point, I was going to every single parade, every single Sunday, and dancing from the beginning to the end, saying all four hours. And so one Sunday in March, I was at the ICVIS parade, and the ICVIS parade um, with another club, Keeping It Real, um, it kind of combined forces and parade together on that Sunday. So I was at the parade, just dancing alongside the ropes, you know, having a really good time. And Katina walked over to the edge of the ropes and said, you know, I see you're really enjoying yourself. Um, I have a spot in here for you next year if you'd like it. And I was like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> and um, 
you know, that just, uh, after that, uh, you know, we got together and just started talking and, you know, and I also wasn't the first uh, white woman that she had invited into the group. There were um, a couple of other white women in the group too. So I think, you know, it's a, it's an explicitly interracial group. And, um, you know, and I talked to her about that and um, actually wrote a, um, I had written a series of um, pieces for an African-American newspaper in New Orleans called the Data News Weekly that were individual, um, like, biographical sketches of different second liners. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wrote one on Katina as specifically with the focus of her um, intention to uh, create an interracial um, social aid and pleasure club. And her perspective on why that and why that was important to her, you know, and she came at it from the perspective of, um, you know, I really want to, I'm interested in building bridges. I'm interested in people who are uh, really dedicated to the tradition and that have a really good time and want to hang out and be together. And so, um, you know, I don't care what color they are, kind of her, her perspective. And um, so, so, you know, I accepted the invitation, and I've continued to parade with them for the last uh, I guess the six or seven years. Um, and so this group in particular, you know, it didn't come like a – it wasn't founded from a group of people that had – all of them had like a pre, um, pre-existing kind of connection through all, you know, coming from the same extended family or living in the same neighborhood or belonging to the same church. There are a lot of groups that are formed from those um, existing social networks, um, but the Ice Divas were formed as a group explicitly with Katina, the former, the founder, kind of uh, people in her family or that she worked with or knew from other, you know, or just met on the street like me um, mm-hmm. that she would invite to join the group. So um, it's kind of her collection of people that she uh, wants to be a part of it with the explicit purpose of parading. But we do lots of other things throughout the years. All social aid and pleasure clubs do are um, – committed to that pleasure part, which is often the parading part, but also just like, you know, getting together, having dinner, putting on dances, things throughout the year. But that social aid part is still really important. And it always has been for these clubs. And today it just looks a little different in the past. Um, You know, members would pay dues. And then if somebody um, needed to see a doctor or um, some medication or needed to take off work and, uh, needed to recoup lost wages, that these uh, benevolent associations would help take care of that as a social network at a time when more um, sort of uh, these kinds of safety nets in the marketplace were not available to African-Americans specifically. And so these uh, clubs would kind of pool resources in order to provide those safety nets. And they still do that to some degree, even though the needs are different. And so um, some of them look a little bit more um, philanthropic in their, in their social aid efforts now. So something that the ICBs do and other clubs do, too, is like a Christmas toy drive uh, for children mm-hmm. around the holidays. Um, other clubs, I know, they um, have days where they get together and uh, feed the homeless. Um, other people visit nursing homes. Um, Folks will have, you know, impromptu benefits where they'll get a band together and have a dance and charge a couple dollars to the door to collect money for somebody who may be in particular need for something in that moment. So the the social aid part of it is definitely still very strong and just kind of takes different shapes uh, depending on what the need is in that particular club in that community. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, could you tell me the name of the, uh, the news weekly that um, you wrote the series for in New Orleans? Oh, yes. Yeah, data, D-A-T-A, data news weekly. Okay, 
you want to look that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I heard um, in in your hesitation um, of you know with regards to accepting the invitation uh, to join mm-hmm. the um, uh, the uh, Ice Divas Social and Pleasure Club was you know sort of the respect for um, you know black people to have um, you know the right to uh, to define you know black space and exclusive mm-hmm. you know you know for black people. And um, mm-hmm. so when I just wanted to acknowledge that um, because that's something, you know, that everyone doesn't necessarily acknowledge. That's not a person of African descent, mm-hmm. that people of African mm-hmm. descent do not have to always, like, integrate their space, you right. know, that, right. they're, that they're, you know, that, uh, you know, African people have the right to having African spaces. Um, not saying that, you know, there's any animosity, but, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, that's sort of a necessary um uh, way of of you know sort of growing community in ways that integration kind of um, doesn't support. Yeah. So anyway, Absolutely. I just wanted to acknowledge Absolutely. your 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 questions. Like, are you sure? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and, yeah. And I and to be clear too, you know, um, Katina's perspective is is her own. It is not um, shared amongst all. Uh, all second line community members, right? There are still many people involved in the culture who who really retain that point of view. And I agree with you. I completely respect that. I think they absolutely mm-hmm. have the right and that there's a need um, to create those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, folks are going to have a great time tonight. And oh, they are yeah, so good. Um, you know, Latanya and, 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 and her crew, they are so good at, you know, giving you the movement, which is, been traced back to um, I don't know exactly what the West African dance, which with West African country and because there's like a particular movement that the Second Line movement is and I don't know that name but you might know it. Um, what's what's that um, dance step called? You know, we I just did it in uh, in a class yesterday with Latanya and Mill's students and um, mm-hmm. I'm, well, there may, I'm sure there are many, but the one she was showing us yesterday came from Guinea and I can't remember the name of it, but oh, um, Guinea. she's really okay. expert on that. And so you have to, <laughs> you have to have her on the show if you haven't already and ask her all about that. She that's her expertise. Right, right, yeah, because um, uh, I was able to participate in one of um, one of the uh, community uh, workshops. Uh, before a play, Marcus Gardley's Black Odyssey, and they had, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, well, you've probably seen it, right? I did not, I was not able to see it, now. Oh, yeah, they brought it back. First time they ever brought something back, but it was so hot last year, <laughs> they had to cancel, mm-hmm. cancel, um, you know, performances. So because of the, you know, because of we had like that, that heat and we had the fires and all that. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah, so um, folks should definitely, you know, go tonight to experience it because, um, you know, you just feel like when you dance, you know, um, through the space um, or in the theater after the lesson, you just feel like, I know how to do this. Like, look at me. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, bring your white hanky, you know, you know, if mm-hmm. you have an umbrella, bring that too. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. It's oh, really, yeah. Absolutely. Really bring your accoutrement, mm-hmm. bring your sneakers. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are really skilled at uh, bringing everybody into into the fold with that, you know. And it's mm-hmm. and it's a you know it's a social form that is not commonly taught in any kind of direct instructional way. And so you know, mm-hmm. folks learn from you're born into it from the time you're uh, a baby, you know, just by observing and and doing it and getting tips 
you know, <laughs> from people <laughs> from people on the street. And um, but uh, so um, yeah, Latanya and uh, other dancers have a really sort of masterful way of bringing people in and kind of retaining that spirit, but also you know, in a compressed period of time, giving people mm-hmm. what, kind of what they need to know to feel like exactly as you said, like, oh, I can do this. Okay, I think I get it. Yeah, I can participate. I can be a part of this. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. And I was wondering um, if if you um, have, like, a website or you have any new books that you want people to, like, give a shout-out to. It's like, oh, you might, you know, uh, like, we might want to read about your, you know, your research and, and your, because, you, you know, you've been doing this for a minute and you've got a lot of, um, uh, I mean, it looks like you've been doing a lot of work um, as a scholar in this particular area, as well as you know participating, which is great too. Mm-hmm. Like you have a you have mm-hmm. a practice, and you have also have a you know theoretical approach to the topic. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so my uh, my website, which I. <laughs> After I announce it, that'll really that's good. That'll keep me accountable to actually go back and make sure it's updated. Um, but uh, it's just rachelcarico.com, so r a c h e l c a r r i c o dot com, and I have um, one tab on that page that's scholarship, and so I try to provide at least a link to if things are available online, or um, uh, at least a you know the information for different uh, publications. So the list is there. But the one the one that I would like to uh, kind of give a shout out to right now because it, it connects to the event tonight is um, mm-hmm. an essay that uh, that I wrote for uh, a collected volume that will be coming out in January uh, with the University of Wisconsin Press. It's called The Futures of Dance Studies. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's a collection of essays on all sorts of topics of dance. You know, it's pretty wide ranging in the content. Um, it's co-edited by uh, three dance scholars, one of whom is Janice Ross, who's based at Stanford, so, um, so she's oh, local. Uh-huh. And um, so in that essay, that is uh, where I am looking at um, three choreographers in particular who made works after Katrina um, about New Orleans and put Second Lining on stage. And um, so those, those three uh, choreographers are Latanya Signer here, and then also mm-hmm. um, Jawale Zoller with Urban Bushwomen, uh, based in Brooklyn, yeah. and then mm-hmm. Camille A. Brown, also based in New York. And so that essay mm-hmm. is looking at those three different choreographers and three very different pieces and very different approaches, um, but thinking about how they're, what they were putting on stage in those years after Katrina was kind of... Um, intervening into the discourse, kind of coming back full circle to the beginning of our conversation that was so mm-hmm. prevalent in the media coverage of the aftermath of the disaster of portraying New Orleanians not as citizens, um, you know, not as worthy of their lives, not mattering, not as worthy of protection, full protection in the first place or, um, or rescue or assistance after the fact. Mm-hmm. And so the way in which they, those three choreographers, again, in very different uh, very different approaches um, and very different kinds of work were telling more complex, more nuanced, um, and um, uh, just more, more honest stories of, of black New Orleanians um, in that moment when those kinds of discourses were really sorely needed. So, um, oh, so that essay is coming nice. out in January. Um, is mm-hmm. the the name of the book again? is Futures of Dance Studies, and that's the the kind of the source material for the talk that I'll be uh, given tonight, just to sort of situate um, 
the, the talk will be pretty brief, and then we'll open it up for a conversation with the artist um, mm-hmm. after that. Oh, that is so awesome. I'm so happy that, um, I don't know, Latanya might be documented in others, other um, uh, other books, but this is the first time I've heard of it. So I'm really, really happy that, you know, you've written an essay and people will be able to read about her work. And hopefully, yeah. you know, um, you know, she is also, you know, writing as well, but sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, that comes later. Um, so that's mm-hmm. really, really great um, that you've written this essay about, you know, these three choreographers that have, you know, looked at a New Orleans tradition and and how, you know, this, this disaster um, man-made because, you know, it wasn't a hurricane, it was the levees that broke, um, that, you know, made all this happen. And in the second line, you know, so you think about, you know, sort of lines, you think about like throwing a line and pulling people in. It's almost like a way of gathering the people together. Mm-hmm. If you say, you know, it happens on Sunday from 1 to 4 because mm-hmm. you can only get a license for that period of time. And the surveillance mm-hmm. continues mm-hmm. right from the, from okay. Congo Square way back when to now. It's still a spectator kind of thing. And you've got the voyeurs in blue and other <laughs> types of outfits looking, mm-hmm. not participating, just watching. Um yeah, yeah, it sounds wow. In many cases, yeah, some of them can't help themselves, you know, because they're, they're New Orleans, too. <laughs> so, you know, right, they're right. doing their job. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's they a whole moved. other conversation. The, the, the role of the police <laughs> in the second line is I feel like we, that's, that's a whole other session. But, but yes, but yes, the rest <laughs> of policing continues. And, um, you know, the city is, um, uh, there's, there's a, um, uh, kind of an up and down relationship between the Social Aid and Pleasure Clubs and the NOPD. And, you know, yes, they, they grant the permits and block off the streets and protect the second liners in many cases. But of course, the power to grant the permit is also the power to take it away. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, right. so yeah, yeah. That, that's. And again, that's you know, this whole thing around. Yeah, police in the space, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. we talked mm-hmm. about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, so so freedom within the context, <laughs> if you right. can afford That's the right. permit, because I think permits cost money. So what if you can't afford it? Oh, they it do. You... Mm-hmm. Okay. They do, yeah. you know, and that, that's the other interesting thing about the Social Aid and Pleasure Clubs is that, you know, people are um, pay, paying to do this. Like musicians get paid as well they should, um, but the um, <clears throat> the club members who are planning, financing, uh, each parade, you know, mm-hmm. it's those those members of that club that put in dues all year long um, and uh, do whatever they can to, to make that happen. And it's it's no mm-hmm. small fee between the permit and hiring the band, and then mm-hmm. I mean the regalia that people wear, and it's you know never the same thing two years in a row. And it's head to toe, every layer of clothing is meticulously designed and coordinated and made special, and you know. Some clubs spend a lot of money on the club, on the clothes. Some don't. There's a wide variety, but um, but it's a commitment of resources in many ways, and um, that is, uh, you know, that's just a testament to how vital it is to people's lives. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it's also, I feel like, a very anti-capitalist way of, of pooling resources and being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it sort of reminds me a little bit of. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not from New York, but I just think about sort of like how hip-hop began. You know, it was like, you know, in, in the Bronx, you know, 
uh, it was a part of the city that nobody really cared about. And, and so while every you know everything was being ignored, these folks were like, hey, you know, we're here. So they started making mm-hmm. art, right? And mm-hmm. and so that they could have a visibility. And similarly, you know, with uh, the gentrification of New Orleans, the displacement of people from Katrina mm-hmm. and other storms since then, um, you know, just to make sure that every Sunday, you know, somewhere there's a second line that's like, hey, we're here. We're still here. You know, mm-hmm. we might not have exactly. those numbers, but we're still here. So it's like, you know, as long as you exactly. call the name of the ancestors, they live, right? So mm-hmm. as long as there's a presence, then then that's a counter counter narrative to the story. They're not here no more. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Wow, wow. Well, I'm really looking forward to this, this book and your essay. Wow, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to catch you tonight. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, I'll be able to see you in uh, in New Orleans, and um, and definitely hope our yes, I'm going to look for you in March. I'm going to look for you in March. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I'll definitely let you know I'm coming, and uh, yeah. and and I look forward to a conversation. You know, um, post next week. Um, you know, post the uh, the slave rebellion reenactment. Let you know how that goes. Yes. And uh, yeah, you know that's going to be a movie, so you'll be able to see. You know the creative oh, um, oh, interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Wow. wow. Well, yeah. um, thank, you, thank you for doing that. That's also a really important way of, of saying we're here, you know, and this history mm-hmm. is not dead, and we need to keep grappling with this. Um, oh, certainly, and certainly. So, yeah, yeah. So I look forward to seeing more about that and um, wish you all the best on that journey. Thank you, thank you. I thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. Look forward to uh, maybe talking to you, um, you know, when the book is out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Uh, I am, you know, I'm I'm working on a book, um, uh, a a book-length version uh, of this research about second landing in New Orleans. But that's that's a couple years off. So, um, you know, it's in the works, but we've still got, got a ways to go with that one. Okay. All righty. Well, um, super. Yeah, it was great, you know, when you can, you know, do your research, but you can still keep dancing because that's really important. Yes. You know, sort of oh, stay yeah, in the body. that's the only reason to do it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the <laughs> whole way I got into this whole dance study thing was just wanting to know more about what I was doing. And so if I stopped the mm-hmm. doing, then what's there to know about? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's really, really easy, I found, as, as a, a, I teach at a community college, to um, – mm-hmm. To, to let the, the academic part absorb you. And so it's like yeah. having the energy to do other things um, sometimes yeah. is challenging after That's you do true. the other part, you know, <laughs> That's true. classes and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, you have a good rest of the morning and have a wonderful time this evening dancing and you know, sharing, you know, some of the background around this wonderful tradition and then having a conversation with these wonderful artists, you know, Latanya Tigner and um and maybe some members of, of the, the brass band and, and the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should be mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really wonderful. Yeah, 80 wonderful. years, there's nothing to sneeze at. Like, 80 years, right? That's and then Merce Cunningham, 100 years. Like, what? I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, really? Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, uh, yeah, again, for having me on and just um, promoting this, you know, this event tonight. I hope that folks can come out. And um, if you can't make tonight, definitely, if you haven't already, just um, get on Dimensions mailing list, follow them wherever they are, follow them on social media, see them whenever you can. If you haven't already, uh, you won't be sorry. Right. Yeah. And the, um, um, you know, the Mills, uh, Mills College, um, you know, 80th anniversary celebration, it, it does continue. And if you want right. to, for more information about other events that are happening um, throughout this week and next year even, <laughs> um, you can uh, mm-hmm. visit performingarts.mills.edu, um, you know, to find out more about the programs. I think there's some next week as well. And, um and then again, you know, tonight, uh, 6.30 p.m., um, it's going to be Holland Theater, Lesser Hall at Mills College, 5000 MacArthur Boulevard in Oakland. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be very, very, very nice. That's right, yes. And the parade begins at the, the entrance of the college, I think right there on right there on MacArthur at 6.30. You'll see the band. You'll see the crowd. You'll know. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, you take good care. <laughs> You too. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. So I'm going to play uh, the Staples Singers' Freedom Highway when the Saints go marching in because that's one of the songs that is sung um, uh, at the uh, second line. <laughs>
you when the saints go marching in. <laughs> 